Hello and welcome to The Inner Gamer, episode 321. We are the video game source for you, the casual gamer. And my name is, of course, Brett Yanofsky. And I'm Austin Morales. And this week on The Inner Gamer Podcast, Brett plays Knockout City on PC. Yep. Awesome. And I play Biomutant on, P- on PlayStation 5. And for our discussion, or no, not discussion, for our new segment, uh, Horizon Forbidden West got a gameplay reveal along with Far Cry 6 and a, a release date reveal. And then, yeah, there's more. Dying Light 2 got uh, a new trailer and a release date with Microsoft and Bethesda showcasing together. Uh, so Starfield is probably going to come out. What? At E3. At so E3. Casey at E3. Yeah, that's right. And then Valve is working on a portable gaming PC, which is uh, absolutely crazy. And for our discussion topic, we talk about lo- the longevity of game ownership. We had someone, a fan, longtime listener, send us a question, and we dive into, well, actually a lot of stuff. Yeah. The ownership of games, the renting of games, having access to games. What if your internet goes out? Lots of stuff. It's a really good discussion topic. Shout out to Michael. Yes. Thanks for your question, and cue that music. June 1st, 2021. Welcome to the Inner Gamer Podcast. For first-time listeners, welcome to the show. We make this podcast for our fans, so if you ever have any feedback, please email us at hello at theinnergamer.net. If you're a return visitor, thank you for sticking with us. If you want to make this show better, please head over to patreon.com slash theinnergamer or theinnergamer.net slash donate to contribute. You can either donate on a regular recurring basis to get some really cool perks and rewards, or you can also just send us a one-time donation just to help us out. So feel free to head over to theinnergamer.net slash donate to give us that love over there. In addition, we stream every once in a while on twitch.tv slash the inner gamer cast. Sometimes we stream on Wednesdays. Sometimes we stream on Thursdays. Sometimes we don't stream at all. Did y'all stream last Thursday? You did, didn't you? No, you didn't. Oh, okay. So didn't happen. So that's what I was saying. Sometimes we stream and sometimes we don't. Sorry, guys. Um, so so we'll hopefully stream this Wednesday, um, potentially. So we'll see where that goes. And uh, make something happen there. But we have been playing a lot of video games, so we're going to dive into those right now. So I hope you guys are very excited and ready to talk about some new games that we've been playing. One I'm uh, kind of excited about. One Austin is not very excited about. So it's going to be a good podcast, I think. I'm not excited at all. No. Pretty messed up if you ask me. The first one we're going to jump into is Knockout City. This is a brand new EA original that came out uh, from EA. It is published by VLAN Studios. And this is a game that earlier on when we talked about this game coming out, I was like, this could go the way of Rocket Arena, which is another EA original competitive game where you are shooting rockets around the arena and fighting each other, kind of Overwatch style. Except Knockout City is where you and rival crews team up to do epic dodgeball battles inside of various places, usually high up on top of skyscraper buildings and stuff like that. You score things in team-based multiplayer matches. And... This is uh, available right now, actually as a trial. So if you go on to uh, Steam, for example, you can download a trial. This game is 100% cross-platform, so you can play multiplayer with anybody regardless of the platform they're on. If you have EA Play or EA Play Pro, you can get this game as part of your subscription, which is a really good perk. Or the game itself is just 20 bucks to purchase outright. Um, so it's not a full-price game. It is very accessible to get into. Um, and goodness. 
Yeah, and I've been playing. I played probably. I played the tutorial, and I played three or four matches after that just to kind of get a feel for how the game works. And there's a lot of stuff in here that's kind of what you'd expect in a competitive game. Like you have your your level, your progression system. You have your skins. Your all your different cosmeticy things that you can like change out and whatnot. And then when you jump into a game, like they drop you in, it's three v three. That's how the matches are laid out, um, and the majority of the uh, the game types. And um, you have a bunch of different characters you can play as. The characters aren't really a whole lot different, other than um, I believe they have a different special, like ultimate ability. But I'm going to read through some of the features that are on the Steam page, and then I'll kind of go into my experience as I played through the game. Um, so you customize your character, you make your crew, etc. Um, very beginning of the game, they do throw you into the tutorial and they just train you on movement and then how to do combat man- maneuvers and things of that nature. You have a jump, you have a double jump. Uh, you can run through the map, you can uh, glide. So there's a glider feature. So if you jump off of something and then you hold down, you can like do a glide to like cross chasms or whatever it might be. Um, there's a feature where you can roll your character into a ball. So as you're rolling your character on ball, into a ball you can roll yourself up to other players and you can even do an emote that says hey throw me and it'll alert your teammate of like hey pick him up so you can go up to the your your friend pick him up and can instantly throw them against another player and uh one thing that is kind of nice about this there is no aiming required it's a lock-on ability with a dodgeball so when you pick up the dodgeball as long as you're directionally pointing over there you wait for the cursor to lock on to the person and then you throw your ball and then that'll go after them and assuming there's no obstacles in the way will likely hit them um you can also catch the ball so when it comes back to you if you time it just right you can catch the ball and then have an instant ability to throw back um whereas normally if you're throwing the ball you have to wind up a charge hold it down until it's charged up and then unleash it so if you catch it you can throw it back immediately or if you pick up your friend you can throw them back immediately so there's some strategy involved with how you um watch this gameplay it's hit them back ridiculous yeah <laughs> yeah well good because some of the questions i have you just kind of answered them so Cool. Um, the other thing is there's a uh, kind of an, an ultimate ability. So if you, you know, wind yourself up and you get picked up and you get thrown, um, you can like press a button. I think when you're up in the air, there's some way you do a button where it like basically has like an extra like a crazier explosion when you drop down and kind of erupt. And I think each character might have a different ability. I only played one different one type of character, so that may not be the case. But um, that ultimate component is kind of interesting um so you can increase your attack by passing to power up dodgeballs oh you can pass as well which i didn't realize so you can pass 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 and then throw so you're not having to like wind it up and get a lot of energy into it so there's there is a lot of teamwork that can come into play with it um there's also different specialized types of balls that lie around so there's designated like ball pickup zones that you can go to that people will like kind of hang around with some of them have special abilities like one is a bomb so you pick it up you hold it until it's about to explode and you throw it and then it will explode on the person and hopefully do some damage um they do also have a 4v4 mode and then a free-for-all mode so that option is available as well and then um, you can uh, show off your your status and unique look through your character designs with expansive character expansive character creation options. Um, you can customize your body type, hairstyle, custom glider, and your vehicle. Because whenever your crew, so you're it's built around kind of you building crews and clans and stuff like that. And your crew, whenever you first come in, and then whenever you leave, you pull up in a, like a floating car. 
that has like a unique style to it. And they look like 50s, 60s cars. And you can customize that car. So like whenever you and your team show up, like you can be showing up in your badass ride that you just customized. Um, there's a bunch of different maps. Each map has different special features that make matches more intense. So like one of them will have like, you know, big, huge gaps between two sides of it that you have to like cross over and, you know, hopefully not get hit while you're traveling through. Some will have pneumatic tubes, um, that you like, you know, can travel through. Um, there's a busy streets and even a burger joint with construction sites that have different levels and layers and stuff like that. Moving cars, uh, wrecking balls that are flying through the map, so different obstacles that can get in the way as you are trying to chase down your opponents. It's got a 50s vibe to it. Yeah, 100%. Kind of like yeah. that. So you got the the cars that are all like 50s style, and then yeah. the, uh, even the outfits, like some of the hairstyles and stuff like that will have that kind of look. So I think they're going for a little bit of a retro modern, like retro, but then still like a modern, like kind of fun, approachable game style. Yeah. But um, at first when I jumped into it, I was... I felt, uh, I felt unsure because like I knew all, learn all the mechanics and stuff like that. But I was like, man, I don't know if I could see myself playing this forever because it's relatively, it's a simple game. I mean, like you pick up a ball, you throw a ball. The first, usually it's like best of three is what, what you're playing towards. So you play or through best of three rounds. So you play until like the other team runs out. I think there was like 10 hits before like they're, they're out. And then you play that round again. And if you win the next round, you win. If not, if it's tied, then you go through the third round. Um, so you play it that way. And it was, I was a little thrown off like the tutorial, but then when I jumped in the game and started playing with other players and stuff like that, I was like, okay, I'm kind of getting this now. Cause I was able to roll myself around and I like went up to a guy and I was like, yo, pick me up. So he picked me up, threw me at another player, blew them up a little bit, being able to like distract players like around the cars and maybe have them get hit by a car is something that you can definitely maneuver around with. Um, just getting them unexpectedly. Cause like whenever you charge up your ball, you, once it's charged up, you start walking slow. So you have to like time, like know where your opponent is charge with the ball or pass the ball. So you can get, get that minute, that, that process going. So you're not, I mean, you can't just like hold the ball, have a fully charged and walk around because you're going to be like a walking target because you're moving so slow once it's charged. So you have to be quick on your feet to figure out when you want to charge the ball at the right time to hit the person. And usually when you see them, it's like if they're going to throw a ball at you, you sometimes just want to wait, let them throw, and then hope you time it right to grab it and then right. toss it back and then fuck them up. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I've been pleasantly surprised. I feel like I could see myself jumping into it off and on and just playing a couple matches. And Yeah, because you were like, you weren't sure there was going to be a hit or anything. Right. Well, not that it is going to be a hit, but... You had your concerns. So yep. would you say they've been kind of quelled at this point? I think for the most part, I, st- I mean, I, I don't, this isn't going to be something that's like, you know, this is going to be my overwatch, you know, kind of situation, right, right. but it could be my rocket league where it's like, I get into it pretty re- I don't think it's as in- addicting as rocket league, but I could see myself getting into it in that way. Um, to jump in quite a bit. I think they should probably, I've, I was looking at some comments in here. I feel like it, it would be a very good game to be free to play, honestly, because it's got the whole entire system set up to accommodate that. Yeah. So they can make it free to play, sell the cosmetics and then call it a day. And then everybody can jump into it. And I think they could get a huge audience from that. So they might eventually do that. Well, um, yeah, I, I think this needs to be on the switch. I think that would be a very good platform for this, for sure. I would love to play this couch co-op with a bunch of friends who all had a switch and we're all playing together 
That'd be really like, cool. Actually, I think, I think I would get this game for that. Yeah, but and I we could not. do that because you'd have like six people, you know, that you could yeah play with in one room and right. you know throw it around and stuff like that. I mean, it'd be great, man. I think oh. it'd be a fun stream game too. I think it'd be cool if we you yeah. know to jump in and just play it on a stream for. I mean, not the whole stream necessarily, but just like play a couple rounds because there right. there are moments where it can get really exciting, especially if your team is communicating with one another. Like we, I wasn't communicating with the people I was playing with, but I feel like if you get that communication going, you can like be, I mean, you would be talking a lot, be like, okay, hey, so-and-so's over here. we got a guy over here. Okay, I'm going to pass it to you, Brett, or Austin, grab the ball here. I'm going to flip up over the top of the thing. You grab me and like throw me over there. Let's do an ultimate attack over here. Like there'd be like constant like talking happening because of, the arenas are small and there's only specific locations where the dodgeballs will spawn. So you're going to be, or unless you and your team are working together, you use each other's dodgeballs. Right. So there's, there's that benefit as well. But, um, I think there could be a lot of really good communication that comes into play with that. And it's quick. I mean, like, you know, I feel like 15 minutes is all you need to go through a, a round, um, to win or lose. Um, and I, it's, it's good. I mean, it, it feels like, it feels like a Splatoon kind of vibe Yeah, is what yeah. I, what I got out of it. Um, but it's not like a bad Splatoon. Like there's nothing in there that inherently is like, okay, this is, this is dumb. Like I hate this or it's not like this is imbalanced or whatever it might be. It seems like there's a pretty good balance to it and ends enough challenge to where it, you can like, I mean, it does require teamwork to, to succeed but not as bad as bleeding edge where like, you know, if your team was not working a hundred percent tight, yeah. like you're fucked, you're, it's you know, over. Yeah, so, game over. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. So y'all should get the trial and we should play this. <sighs> I might do it, man. Honestly, I might do it. Yeah. It, I mean, it doesn't look horrible and it definitely seems a lot better than I anticipated. Or sign up for EA play for 12 months for $30 and you get access to it. Yeah. I could do that too. There's a lot I can do right now. There is. Damn it! I don't. Want, I don't need more games. Uh, I know, but I, know. I do like the games. I can just jump in whenever I want to, and it's just like I have fun, and that's that. Yep. So it definitely seems like that is what this is. I mean, look at this guy right here. Cuckoo says it all. Dear God, this game is amazing. <laughs> Easy to pick up. Pretty satisfying to master. One v one mode is so fun as a side break to hone your skills. Once you get past the initial toss, fully charged ball, and catch spamming, you start realizing there's way more to it than that. And uh, then he has a whole entire list of all the techniques. Um, but yeah, the, the squad car part is pretty interesting. So if you build up that crew, like you can like rep yourself like really, really well. Have a car, have your own logos, have your banners. Like you can actually build a logo in here for your, your character. Like there's a whole logo Dang. creator okay, thing. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so there is there some neat mechanics in there. And they really like thought of everything. Yeah. So, and this is, you know, again, we're the podcast for the casual gamer. I think this is a casual gamers game. Man. So there you go. If y'all want to play, hop in our Discord channel. Then I got to get it. That's right. (laughs) All right. So that's my review of Knockout City. I recommend uh, y'all should jump in and play with me. Actually, I might recommend our Discord channel about that. They were like, what game should we play? There you go. Maybe I'll force them to get this. I dig it. I dig it, man. So Austin, what have you been playing lately that you've been really stoked about? Yeah. So I got excited about Biomutant. I've been excited about Biomutant coming out and so i pre-ordered it and basically paid for all of it over at gamestop and then i went to go pick it up and that same day brett was like oh, oh that's not good people aren't talking highly about biomute and i'm like what don't tell me that so i stayed away from every, everything and i wanted to figure it out for myself if it was going to be good or not 
cool thing about GameStop these days is if, if you have the subscription members. It's the Power Rewards Pro or whatever yeah, it is. whatever it is now. They, they keep changing the name and all the stuff about it. But they allow you within two days to return the game for full price, which is new and amazing. And uh, I was like, all right. Well, I was like, if I, if I don't like this game, I can return it in two days. So uh, I played two days worth, but I didn't play a lot because I actually had a lot going on. But, you know, unlike... Uh, Mass Effect, which I know I love already and jump back into it. Like it had me going. I beat the first one within 13 hours and I have probably like five, six hours in uh, Mass Effect 2 and put a lot of time into uh, RE Village, which I've taken a break from, but it's a lot of fun. I like getting into there. It has a unique style. So it's like all these factors, you jump into a game and there's a, there's a way of storytelling that I feel like most games these days can grip you and there's more of a cinematic element to a lot of them, uh, especially the triple A tiles. And there's always, I, I feel like I could tell off the bat if I'm going to like it or not. Right. Just like that, that first you thrust into the world and they set up the scene and they let you, you know, sometimes they just let you go straight into it Yeah, and you just go crazy. Like kind of like breath of the wild, but there's a huge prologue for that technically. Um, everyone said that this this game was kind of like Breath of the Wild. And I was like, man, that's cool. Like, you have this open and expansive world. You can go about anywhere. You can do all this stuff. And so I jump into this game. You're playing like a little cat, skunk, squirrel thing. I really don't know what it's called. Yeah. And uh, they they allow you to pick your character, which is cool. I think the character creation is really awesome. They uh, You can... You have like a circle and you can move your uh, will around that allows you to manipulate your height of your head and your body, um, your eyes. And as you just move it around, like the body changes and it also increases or decreases certain stats. And obviously if it's in the middle, it's like pretty even. And they also have classes you can choose from. Uh, one of the guys like has electricity. So we got like a magic user and I ended up picking the guy that had the, the two guns. Um and I was like, okay, okay. Like, I like it already. Like, it's really interesting. It's something new. Like, usually in games, you just, you can pick the size of your person, but your stats are, like, something different aside from that that don't really affect the way you look. And I was like, okay, that's kind of new. Yeah. I'm sure other games have done that before, but I don't recall any of them actually being like that. Yeah. Um, anyway, you jump in this world, and off the bat, they're like, you're going to choose a side, good side or bad side. But they don't make it, like, that obvious it's more of like one strength and power the other one's like freedom and uh serenity or something like that yeah they having you choose your key that you harness and so one's red one's blue and then these little wisps come up and they talk about it well obviously one's black one's white, white and they're supposed to be like good and evil and they're trying to convince you which path to go on which i assume will have ramifications down the line and then you go into this world and they sh- teach you how to do all this stuff and you're stuck in this little like facility that you're trying to get out of. And uh, eventually you come to this guy uh, who needs your help. And so you help him out. And he's like, hey, you look familiar. I think I know you're from back in the day. And he's like, well, I don't know you. And it's like, okay. So you go into this whole like story of like this, the character's past. And at this point, I felt like nothing interesting has happened. And I feel like a lot of stuff's really campy. You have this narrator who I think is the same guy who is in uh, Vermintide. He's the guy who gives you missions. Um, sounds very similar. Maybe not. 
and he's he's always like narrating everything. Like when you're talking to this guy in his wheelchair, he says all this stuff, and you know, it, it's an animal, uh, humanoid thing, and he's talking random gibberish, and the guy translates for you, and it's just like, what is going on? And at this point, nothing has happened about like who you are and what you're trying to get or what you're trying to achieve, what the world's about. To some degree, you know, there's a little cutscene in there that you can find by doing a little small puzzle to like get you up to date. That was a good observation because, yes, he was the voice in Vermintide too. Knew it. I knew it. Um, so you kind of figure out what the world's about, but it's like they're trying to build up this you know, action and tutorial stuff. And then all of a sudden you stop and you have to l- watch this like two, three minute cutscene about what the world's about. And I was like, why wasn't this in the beginning? Like, I felt like the, st- the way the story's laid out and the way that's being told is not entertaining and it's not interesting. And I guess I put about 35 minutes into it and I got to the point where I, I, I just, I said, no, I'm not playing this game. Like sometimes I can, I, if I could play a game and it grips me within like the first 30 minutes to an hour, um, like I just know I can continue playing it. And this game did not have that. So is that your threshold of like, you know, if, if it doesn't capture you in an hour, you're like, this is, I'm not going to do this. Uh, for this game, yes. Well, I mean like generally speaking. Well, I think generally speaking, I know if I'm going to really enjoy a game or not. In an hour. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, because I've I've heard people talk about that on podcasts of like, what is your threshold? Because like, you know, with movies, it's like you have an hour is a third of the movie, right? Or right. more than a third of the movie usually. But with the game, like an hour in this case, this game is probably like three percent or five percent or whatever of the game. So yeah. it's it's hard harder to gauge that. So I've always tried to figure out like what is my my threshold, and I think my threshold is like four hours. Like if I can, I give it like three or four hours before I decide to like not play a game, right? If, unless it's just like a hot pile of trash, which obviously have, I didn't play this, so I don't know if it's a hot pile of trash, but um, it's, it's definitely it. harder to, to jump into it. Yeah, yeah. I got to see it, which I mean, I, I'm still interested to play it right. after having seen it, but I would do have uh, reservations with it, like what you had about like the opening, what I saw, because I mean, I watched the first like 20 minutes that basically Austin played, and uh, like I... I felt lost. I didn't know, like they put you straight in a character creator, but being a brand new IP, I feel like there should be some guidance into what the benefits are of the stats that you're assigning. And I hate that about games when they like make you pick your character before. In most games, like your character creation is pretty much like standard across the board. Like, you know what your charisma is, you know what this is, you know what that is, but there's certain things in here, like new mechanics specific to this game that, I don't know anything about them yet. So I feel like they should give you a little bit of a tutorial of like you play a character that's just like fresh and new, try that character out, get a feel for what the different moves are during the tutorial piece basically. Right. And then be like, okay, now you know what you got at your disposal. How do you want to build that character? And then you can go there and adjust that. And maybe that's not the case here, but I feel like it kind of should have been to give you some, some insights into that a little bit. And then, uh, and then, yeah, the communication and stuff like that with the narrator. Like, the narrator is kind of cool because it's like these characters probably don't speak English. Right, right. So the narrator is there to translate slash also tell the story kind of like you're – I mean, it's it's like a fable. I mean, I've heard people relate this game to fable as well of like it's it's supposed to be like a fable-like tale. I mean, they even call it a kung fu fable mm-hmm. is, is what they describe it in the in the website. And um, that 
that kind of resonates a little bit. But if you don't like the narrator, if you don't like that style of like sitting there listening to a narrator talk, then it can be like, I mean, there's like take Bastion, for example, that game was all about the narration. Like the whole entire time you played a, you played a character that didn't have a voice, but the narrator was guiding the the character's story. Right. And right. I thought that was cool in Bastion, but this one, I don't know how it would be. Yeah. Because it would be nice if your character had a voice on occasion to like right. communicate and say some things because you made this character, mm. but if he doesn't, if he can't talk, then it's like, well, most of the time, I guess characters you make don't talk. I mean, right. Right. And that's becoming more of a trend. Yeah. I don't like that uh, necessarily, but yeah, I think we're re- reaching a point where, cause I mean, this is, this is published by THQ Nordic. So yeah, they got some money, but the, the company who actually, developed the game, which is 101 Experiment, I believe. Yeah, Experiment 101. Like, this is their first game, from what I can see. Uh, they were acquired by THQ Nordic. Uh, studio was co-founded in 2015. And uh, I I feel like, technically, it's an indie game, in my mind. It's a double A, is what I would probably okay. label it. And so, like, they have hype. They they have the budget to do all the marketing, the way a AAA game sh- would do it, in my opinion. Yeah. And so, I think that's led me to believe this game was going to be a little more developed. I guess I feel like it's a little indie in that respect. Like, if you want to have a narrator, that's fine. If you want to have people who don't talk that's fine you know like nintendo does stuff like that all the time and it works great for them i mean they built the whole brand around that look that kind of gameplay but i was expecting more and i didn't get it and so i guess my my expectations were too high for this game yeah and the way people were talking about it and what we've seen uh nothing was put into perspective and for me it's all about the story so if i can't get in the story if i can't get behind this character and what he's trying to accomplish like it's just it's just not interesting for me yeah. it's just a waste of time so that's why i quit it's just a waste of time i have so many other games i could play and need to play and finish it's like i can't waste my time with this game yeah and it doesn't happen very often it doesn't like i usually put three four five hours into a game before i'm like okay yeah this isn't for me yeah but and on Metacritic, if you want to go by that, PC, it got a 67. Uh, Xbox One, it got a 68. And then PlayStation 4, which I played on PlayStation 4, or the PlayStation version, it got a 63. Yeah, which so. isn't terrible. I mean, there are games that we played a lot that have worse Metacritic scores. That's true. But, I mean, it's not. It's also not great. I mean, this is basically this is an average game is what it comes down to. It's like you're not... Yeah. And I think that's what is the issue i i mean i agree on that side of it like the expectations for this were very high because as press started coming out revealing stuff on this game this game for one looks really like beautiful like the trailers and stuff like that look really really good so that immediately makes you think triple a title right off the bat right and then once they started showing like gameplay mechanics yeah yeah once they started showing gameplay mechanics and stuff like that, you were like, oh my gosh, like there's there's all these weapons, like characters you can, or not characters, but vehicles you can drive, like mechs and this, that, whatever. And it just looks, it looked very ambitious and exciting. Yeah. Um, and I think that that kind of killed it a little bit. I I did see that the developer, uh, the guy that found, founded this game with a group called Goodbye Kansas Game Invest, um, 
He is a veteran. He was the art director and game director at Avalanche Studios working on uh, Mad Max and the Just Cause series. So I get where some of these like these like gameplay components come into play from that background. Um, Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, I can see like the open world and stuff like that. Um, well, yeah, I mean like, but I think this is Mad Mad Max was based off of existing property. So this is like their first or his first John into let's make something brand new. And, you know, just cause was really, was good, but the story wasn't amazing, but it was just fun to like bullshit up and do silly things. But this one, I don't think you can do that. So it's relying on the story being really good and the open world being really exciting, engaging. It just sounds like they're all good pieces, but not hundred percent where they need to be. They're like right. 80 or 90% there. I mean, I think people will jump in this game and like the way it's told and everything about it, which is fine. But for me, it's just, I, I wanted more. Yeah. So yeah, that, that might be more on me than the game, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We we're watching someone play and they seem to enjoy it, but I was like, man, I just, I don't like the gameplay. It just, the enemies seem very uninteresting and not active. Yeah. Like you're in this like, the first time you come into a group of enemies, you're kind of in like, like this mini arena and they're hurting you, but they're like not really hurting you that much. And you just, because I had guns, I can shoot them from afar and, you know, I pretty much take them down pretty easily. And then I have my sword and I run in there and go, and they're dead. It's like, oh, okay, it's a tutorial. I get it. The tutorial mission, it's not supposed to be like crazy hard or anything, yeah. but I'm expecting like, uh, to be more on my feet. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I I think with this game, I'm gonna wait until it's on sale. Yeah, or it comes on PS Plus. You know, like that might Why be not? the way to do it, and then talk about it again and give it a try and see what happens. Because this very well be could be one of those games where they just need to work on a little bit more. Maybe bring out some more patches and upgrades, add a little challenge. Maybe you know tweak a few things here and there. And it if it's if it's cheaper, you know, it might be might be worth jumping into. You know. Um, when there's a dull moment, but like you said, it's like there's a bunch of other things out there that need to be played, and there will be more coming out as time goes on. So I got time for that right now. Yeah, got to reserve that time. So, well, if any of y'all have played Biomutant and have enjoyed it or disliked it, either way, uh, let us know. Send us an email at hellodnrgamer.net and let us know how you felt about it. Would love to hear from you and get a bit more of an opinion from anybody that's just you know delved into it and really found it to be fun and enjoyable um very interested in that yeah but that's going to wrap it up for the games you play this week if you want to play games that each and every week you can join us on our discord channel you can check that link in the show notes and if you like what you hear please consider leaving this review on apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend stay tuned we'll be right back for our video game news you're listening to the inner gamer It is time for our video game news. In this segment, we share the best headlines from the week in the gaming industry. If you want to get involved in this segment, you should send us a question or comments to hellodnrgamer.net, and we will talk about it next week on the podcast. First up, we've had... Actually, there's a lot of news to talk about this week. Um, a yeah, lot of happened? game reveals. <laughs> Do what? So what happened? It's I know, just like, right? I looked on my YouTube feed and just... Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was it was excited. like, bam, 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 bam. All kinds of stuff was coming out. So, uh, obviously, we have E3 coming up in T-minus two weeks. It's E3 already. (laughs) Yeah, we're basically like a week and a half from E3. So, it's really, really close. So, there's a lot of people that are like, you know, dropping some stuff ahead of time so that they have other things to talk about during E3 or they're just trying to get ahead of the E3 news. So, this is probably why we're getting a lot of information dropping all of a sudden. 
One of the biggest pieces of information that we had drop this week is Horizon Zero Dawn. No, Horizon Forbidden West, the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn and Guerrilla Games, PlayStation. They had a state of play, PlayStation Guerrilla Games, and they revealed the first ever gameplay of Horizon Forbidden West, which I had no idea. Austin knew this a little bit, but I had no idea that the first game, Horizon Zero Dawn, did not take place in a fictional world. It was actually based on Utah, Wyoming, and Colorado. And I had no idea. And my mind was blown. And apparently there was stuff in the game that was like literally like yes. recreations of those things. Yeah. So had no idea. So Horizon Forbidden West takes you a further bit further west. And you'll see in this trailer uh, references to things in San Francisco, such as the Golden Gate Bridge and the Crooked Street and various things like that. So that was the more you cool. know, Brett. The more you know. The more you know. So we watched this trailer and it was about 13 to 15 minutes long. First part was just like a story sequence that they showcased. And then they took a break and said, had some game director come on and said, now we're going to talk about some of the what you saw in the trailer. And they went into some of the details and mechanics that came to be. But, um, some of the pieces that we saw in here were just kind of an introduction to the narration or the narrative that's going to take place. So they have this thing called red blight that's poisoning everything. The clock is ticking on life and you'll see it as you're watching through the trailer of the different, like this red toxic, whatever this thing is in different areas of red lightning. Yeah. Well, that's also stuff on the ground too. Like there's like different pieces of stuff that's like on the plants and on the shrubs and stuff like that of like red, red, uh, it's the blight has already like taken hold onto the ground right. as well. well. I figured the storm brought the blight, which made everything die and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you can see it like the remnants of it, like scattered around everywhere, like okay. in different pieces. So there's like little pops of red in you. the environment and things as you're traveling you. through. There was that shot of her like riding the horse or not the horse, the robot the machine. And there's like bits of like along the beach line, there's like bits of like red. It almost looks like coral in a way, but it's like, or like slime stuff that like covers the plants and the shrubs and things of that nature in this red stuff um, that's starting to take over and control all the things. So um, they showcase a little bit of that. They jumped into some of the tools that you have that you can use. So they have one of the things that I noticed she was doing a lot was like this, uh, this scanner that when you click the scanner, it kind of shows you like points of interest that you can use to, get mobile around the world. So like things you can grab onto and different pieces of that. And it highlights those deals. That's nice. Cause usually it's like, Oh, you can climb here. So here's like this paint or this obvious. Yeah. Discoloration in the rock or indoor rubble, whatever. And now it's like, Oh, use a scanner because you can't see exactly where to climb. But now because of technology, you can see exactly where to climb. Yeah. <laughs> which is now like glowing neon in certain areas, which is still kind of weird, but at the same time, I like that it's not just like obvious. obvious. At least you're not like designing it into the world itself. It's right. just like, you know, if you an want to add know. on. Yeah. 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 But man, you can climb almost anything, it seemed like. And you can go high. And yeah. there might not be anything else to climb on. But because that one part, she was climbing, running away from this elephant thing. And she was like climbing up the side. And then she just like jumped over. And she, now she has a grappling hook, which she grappled to like this other pillar not too far away, but there's like nowhere else to go. So she jumped off and she has a freaking glider. So she's breath of the wild in it now. Yeah. 
I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, that thing was super cool. So they call that the, uh, so the grappling hook, they call it the pull caster. Okay. And it allows you to speed up being able to catapult around and pull yourself up, up and down in whatever way. And then the, the wing. Uh, umbrella thing is a shield wing, which is a holographic umbrella basically that populates and stuff like that. But yeah, that was really neat to see her, like to see how quickly you can maneuver right. and navigate through the world. It's not as much as like focus on the ground as it was before. Like you're actually like, able to right. be agile and kind of be like a freaking parkour character as you're jumping around these different parts of the environment. Yeah, it's usually more linear like and you obviously see where you can go up certain things and it's but this just seems like it's scattered throughout the world, so do what you want. Yeah. You can do what you want and create your own game plan on the fly, which was awesome to see. And then there was a part where she dove underwater, and I was like, how the fuck is she, like, surviving underwater for this That's long? That's what I said. Turns out she had a diving mask yeah, on. I didn't see that. I didn't either. I was like, how does she, would she just, like, throw it on as she dove down I in? I was really confused that was what was happening there. But, yeah, she was, like, go underwater, and she just, like, swim. And what was amazing about this is, like, you know, normally you dive underwater. You can tell, like, we're entering next generation here because you dive underwater, and it's, like as detailed underwater as it was above water. Right. And there's like shit flying through there. Like, or not shit, but like, uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, it's like poop yeah, flying, flying everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> you know, it's kind of brown stain. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, there's these, uh, like, like underwater machines that are traveling through that also have their own bit of complexity probably. And right. Like just a lot of different machines in here that I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh gosh, there's gonna be threats everywhere. Yeah. Um, but that was really cool to see how, beautiful underwater diving was and i'm i'm curious what that's going to look like in later parts of the game like how much you're going to spend underwater to experience all that stuff um then they introduced a little bit of the combat so throughout the course of the uh the the game like you were there was a part where you were fighting these little like raptor looking machines that were running around and really you were just trying to escape them but every once in a while you'd shoot at them and do different things she has a smoke bomb that she can drop down to distract them for a minute to like run away and then she fought this big huge like woolly mammoth looking creature that these like tribal people ride on and was attacking her and that was like the big huge boss battle and in it she had like um she has all these different types of arrows that she can use like there was this one part where she had like a she it was like a lobbing grenade that she would shoot up and like hit it and it would cause an explosion that caused all the the platform stuff that the tribal people were on to like fall down and the rubble would fall apart and then she had one where it was like running after her so she shot this other arrow that was like sludge that would like slow it down for a period of time and then she had a sharpshooter one that she would hold down and it would zoom in and like go slow motion so she could target like hotspots which i thought was really awesome because i could really use that in situations where you're trying to hit the weak points like pull off the armor so you can get into the more vulnerable area of the oh, yeah. beast yeah um just a lot of different tools at her disposal to to make stuff happen and she even what like found a gun that was on the ground that she was able to pick up and start using it, it as like a freaking gatling gun that she was shooting at the thing with to blow it up so there's like weapons now in this game which i don't remember there being guns before right I think I think you could pick up guns that fell off of other beasts before. Yeah, because I think the big like T Rex looking thing had a gun that you can pick up and shoot at it. Really? Okay. I can't remember. But now I kind of want to go back and play Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. Because <laughs> I thought it was funny. You never even finished it, so you need to. I know. I know. I don't know if I will though. It was gonna be. It's just, oh, it's just so much. Hey, to, you're about to have a lot more time. I know. Well, yes, well uh, okay. maybe. Yeah. Look, Horizon Zero Dawn is at the bottom of the list. The top of the list got a war. I know. Yeah. God dang it. Well, top of the list right now is Yakuza, okay? 
<laughs> I'm, I'm in that Yakuza. shit right now, man. I'm in it. I'm in it. I see. I see. I'm in it to win it. All right. But right, right. yeah, I might go back. I mean, I still own Horizon, actually. Like, mm-hmm. I, I never sold it. So um, it's still on my shelf. So I could play it if I want to jump into it. But. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really cool mechanics and stuff in here. Just that plus the mobility like really shows that there's a lot of, I mean, there's just gonna be so much more you can do to get around and yeah. and figure out how to pull out the best, you know, mechanics and tools to attack. One thing that I wish this game had, I wish it was co-op. I feel like it'd be so fun to have another friend or two in there to take down these beasts together and That'd doing it by cool. myself. I'm like, Oh, I just like having a co-op. But then again, it like could hamper the experience as well. That's true. But I, I think that'd be a lot of fun, but God damn, is this game gorgeous? Yeah. Like when I first saw it, I thought it was, I was like, this is, this looks a little unrealistic. But then as I got well, into it further, I was like, okay, now there's so much freaking detail in this game. Yeah. It looks well, so good. Cause usually there's like a noticeable difference between cutscene and gameplay. Like even with PlayStation four, when they were actually pretty similar, yeah. but you, there was like obvious, like you could tell these polygons have, or like the quality of certain things would drop because it could not render everything the way it needed to. Like you couldn't cut scene cause it obviously, well, right. some of it was when rendered in game anyway. There is no difference. It is. It's it all in game. Just goes straight from cutscene to, uh, to gameplay. Yeah. And there's no black, there's no blackout. It is just cut. And I'm like, that's what I want in games. Yeah. I don't want no fade to black, fade in from black. Like, just give me the freaking gameplay. It looks gorgeous. Ashley Birch does a great job with this character. Um, and the way that they've, like, I think she was born to play this character. Yeah. Uh, outside of uh, um, Tiny Tina. Yeah. Okay, she was born to play Tiny Tina. But then she was secondly born to play this character. Yeah. Because I know we had talked about her in... Um, and Avengers and how her character there was ugh, just ugh. Oh, I liked her. Ugh, Brett. Yeah. Ugh. Wait, she's Kamala Khan, right? No. No. Wait, who is she? She's uh uh uh. K Bishop. K Bishop. Thank you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. You're right. Yeah. Well, it's just because the way the characters wrote and the way yeah, they yeah. directed that character is just horrible. But this one, like, she is serious and has so much more heart and soul, and they were able to push that for just what I've seen. Like you can tell this girl's been through a lot. Right. And, uh, it comes out perfectly. Yeah. So I can't wait to see what else comes of this. Yeah. One thing that I was bummed about is I was hoping to see, well, actually I'm not bummed about this because I, I understand <laughs> it's going to be coming, but I was, I was thinking there would be at a release date at the end of that trailer and be like, yo, it's coming out this, this year, because I don't know. PlayStation doesn't have a lot that they're bringing out this year. Other than, I mean, they brought out Resident Evil, which isn't, wasn't even their their exclusive title. But we have Ratchet and Clank coming out. Um, but I think that's it. Like God of War is supposed to come out, but uh, but we don't know. Like it hasn't know, been confirmed. Know. You know what I mean? Like it's supposed to come out. But so here, okay, we're gonna make some predictions here. Okay, two, two two things could happen. One, God of War does come out in the fall, and the Horizon Zero Dawn comes out first quarter of next year or vice versa. God of War comes out next quarter or first quarter of 2022. And then we get Horizon Zero Dawn at the end of the year. One, two of those games are coming out this year. Yeah. It's probably Horizon Zero Dawn. Unless come next month, we get some E3 drops from PlayStation and they're like, God of War coming October. Yeah. Wait, so I'm trying to figure out here. Uh, so this is that. So God of War release. 
Okay, so like God of War can't come out though. It doesn't make sense. Why not? Because God of War came out April 20th of 2018. So that means if it comes out this year, that's a three-year cycle to produce the next God of War. Well, it's not being made by uh, Kyrie Botlog. It's not the lead I director. I think he is on it now. Like I was hearing somebody talk about now he's like more involved in that. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's not. But even still, though, it's the sale of the same studio, so it's the same a lot of the same resources. But yeah. we haven't seen Horizon Zero Dawn since February of 2017 was when it came out. Look, That's a long-ass time ago. You know what I mean? That's like four years us, ago, brah. They told us it was coming out. They did. But that's... Everybody's told us. Cyberpunk yeah, told true. us three years in a row that they were bringing that that's game true. out. It never came true. out. And it still was buggy as shit. Yeah. That's why I think so. Horizon Zero Dawn will come out this year, and then God of War will come out next year. Yeah. And it might not even be the first quarter. Yeah. It might be the second quarter. I don't know. I could see, I could see God of War in March of 2022. That would be my prediction. Yeah, I and can see I that could too. see I could see Horizon Zero Dawn coming out in November, but I bet you it's going to get up delayed into 2022 as well. I don't think either of these games are going to come out this year. Actually, that's my my hot prediction right there. Man, Brett, don't tell me that. Yeah, but what I'm worried about is like what's going to come out. Like what what does PlayStation have up their sleeve? Because I mean, we've already seen the only thing left is is there anything left that's like first party besides Ratchet and Clank? We're not going to know Spider-Man yet because we just had Spider-Man. No. Uh, Naughty Dog's got some time to cook in the oven. Well, they're working on uh, the re-re-re-remake. Right. <laughs> the remaster of that. And then we got... I could see them bring out an Uncharted game at some point, but not by Naughty Dog. Like I, I, could, I would love to see somebody I else take Naughty Dog or take Uncharted and I make just, like... Yeah. The Lost Legacy kind of game. I don't see him doing that. Yeah. I don't see him doing going back to Uncharted. You don't think so? I don't think so. I feel like it's such a good world that they could like leverage. I feel like they've really they put that nice little bow on it and there's no reason to go back. I don't know. They had Lost Legacy, which continued the bow. It unraveled the bow, you know, there was more content there. <laughs> they put an extra bow on there. <laughs> yeah, they put an extra bow on there. I mean, you're I right. You're I could right. see them do it, especially with the Uncharted movie coming out. <laughs> I feel like it would be a missed opportunity to not like bring something else out for Man, it. Look, this is what they're going to do. They're going to do a re-re-remaster of it. A re-remaster of the yeah. whole series. Now, that they definitely should not do. An 8K for PlayStation. One piece of prize. <laughs> One piece of prize. Or they're going to do an Uncharted remake. And okay. just do like like brand spanking new, but split Uncharted 1 into four games. Yeah. And release them over a course of 12 years. Like Final Fantasy Seven, yeah. So yeah, they could yeah. do that too. That'd be a terrible idea. But Horizon Forbidden West looks pretty awesome. Yes, it does. Very excited. Can't wait to play it. Uh, the other game that was revealed this week was Far Cry Six. Finally, showcase a gameplay trailer, and they brought out a release date. This game is coming out. This this actually was supposed to come out this February. This past February, but they got pushed back because of COVID and stuff like that. But it is coming out on October 7th, 2021. And they showcase a lot in this trailer, introducing the new character, Danny Rojas, a female lead that you will be playing throughout the course of the game. So the previous trailer that they showcased was like, yo, wait, hang on a minute. Danny Rojas looks like a dude. I said that wrong. You're right, is it? But the girl, the, the character that's a girl, hang on a minute. Yeah. I, I read this wrong. Wait, no, what? No, hang on, man, I'm confused. 
That's like a Far Cry Wikipedia. Oh, Danny no, Rojas. it's looking to be a guy or a girl. But Danny Rojas is not. The, the, oh, okay, okay. You were yeah. looking at the actor, Danny Rojas, who's an actual person. Yeah. Who was in Ted, Ted Lasso. But this is your character. So, so I yeah, guess they the showed female. a female character or the male character male, that you can play as. Female. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like super into the female character, by the way. She's like super hot. Not going to lie. Yeah. I was digging it. But I want to be a dude, dude. Oh, I'm always, I'm going to be the girl. It's going to happen. I know. But anyway, so uh, this is set in the fictional country of Yara. It'll focus on a modern day guerrilla revolution against the regime of dictator Anton Castillo, played by Giancarlo Esposito. You play as Danny Rojas, who can Great guy. be a guy or a girl. Yes, Giancarlo is very cool. Uh, use a variety of weapons, both standardized and improvised, from machine guns to a compact disc launcher. So yes, you can take things out there in the world and build them together to make really crazy MacGyver-style weapons and things to explode stuff. Um, you'll have animal companions like the tiny little chorizo to help you out, rides ranging from horses to tanks, and a giant city to explore. Essentially, it's Far Cry, but it's Far Cry on the new console systems. And this trailer showed a lot of stuff it showed this was very different i feel like in tone than the first trailer the first trailer was super serious and super like freaking uh you know um it was just super serious and then this one well i guess not the trailer i didn't watch this trailer i watched the oh, game this trailer reveal. is actually serious okay i don't watch this one okay i watched the uh the the gameplay reveal <clears throat> but in the gameplay reveal, I didn't know this actually came out too. I'll have to watch this one later on. So there's a trailer that Austin's pulling up, the character trailer that showcases like introducing the character, him or herself. But what I watched was the uh, the gameplay full gameplay reveal that was like you know six, seven, eight minutes long or whatever of the gameplay, and it it was like it was totally not serious at all. It was like kind of felt like a lock, stock, smoking barrel kind of like yeah, I think that was just presentation, yeah. But I'm curious to know what direction they're gonna going to go. Is it gonna be more serious or is it more fun and silly? I think you're gonna have both. I mean, that's just Ubisoft in general. Yeah, but, but like, I mean, like Far Cry Five was serious, except for when they brought out the Far Cry Five follow up, like, and then there was a second one where they twisted around and made it really crazy and zany. Um, but the game itself was super serious. And then they had like Far Cry 3 that was super serious. And then Blood Dragon came out and it was like bonkers to the wall, crazy. So like this looks like it's trying to be both. And I don't know which direction they're going to go with it. I mean, I think it's just marketing right now. But yeah, it's like, what, what is this game going to be? marketing has got to tell you about the game, man. I, it's got to set the tone. Halo 2, that's all I got to say. Well, uh, <laughs> that fucked up, okay? They, a lot of them fuck up, okay? I, I feel like it's going to be a little more serious with the little campy stuff thrown in. Yeah. Um, which is fine, and I think that's very just Ubisoft in general. But yeah, I think it's going to be serious. Yeah. And I appreciate that. And actually, I, I think it actually looks good. You excited? I, I'm a little excited for it. Yeah. I'm not going to say I'm super excited. But everything I've seen so far, I, I'm curious to know what the story is. Because, I mean, it's a pretty ambitious story. I mean, you're part of a revolution is going in there and, you know, going to take shit out. I guess it's kind of sort of uh, 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 watchdogs in a way. You can say that's kind of a revolution, too. Yeah. But, but think, hopefully this is a lot better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're being in the thick of it. You're in a, you know, a war-torn country. You got to kind of work with what you got. And 
It's almost like you're in Cuba, but you're in South America, right? Um, Fictional South America country. It's it's in Yara. It's I think it's basically Cuba, but okay. they didn't say it's Cuba, but it very much looks like Cuba or Central America somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a. I am interested in it. Like it's yeah, it's uh, Yara is a fictional country in the heart of the Caribbean. It's a tropical island with a diverse setting consisting of beaches and jungles. So yeah, it's basically Cuba. Um, I'm very interested in this game, but I've I felt like every time I get excited about a Far Cry and then I play a Far Cry, I ended up not liking the Far Cry. Right. Um, I tried Far Cry Five. It looked awesome. I had fun for it for with it for a little bit. But it's one of those, it's kind of like your thought process on Biomutant earlier. Like I got a couple hours into Far Cry. And I was like, I don't see myself playing this for 40 hours like I want to. Right. I liked it, but something about it was just not where I wanted, I don't know, it just wasn't right. But I love yeah. freaking Crocodile, man. Like, fuck yeah. Like, right. give me a freaking Crocodile run around. Like, that trailer, like, cooked me a little bit. I was like, yes, Crocodile, you have a freaking dog with the wheelchair legs. Like, like I want this. Yeah. Um, so I am interested and I like the, I mean, there's a lot of color here. The world looks massive. Um, the, 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 you know, the ways that you do this, like the different, um, complications with the, or the different just complexities with the guns creation and stuff like that. Visually it looks really good. Cutscenes sometimes are a little question. I mean, they're not as next gen as I like them to be, but right. the setup here looks really interesting. I'm glad they went away from the stupid, you know, Montana, like religious zealot <laughs> craziness. Like this just feels more far cry. Yeah. That, that game was more of a game for its time, which was yeah. lived. But uh, I think suspension for disbelief is here and it's high enough where a lot of this stuff is believable. Yeah. You know what I mean? And look at that. Holy shit. I mean, if it's too campy, that could be a problem because yeah. this trailer, the gorilla gameplay trailer, like that, that's the one you saw on. Yeah. It's very campy, but I don't know. I feel like they could have some success here. It's probably one of those games that we end up liking. And I mean, look at this like, shit. This like that's such a big oh, freaking yeah. world. I'm like, you look out sorry, the- like watch a trailer with us as you're listening to this part of the podcast and you can like react with us alongside that side of it. But I mean the detail and like all the stuff that's in here, like I'm very, very impressed by. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of stuff to that just really like kind of shocked me that was like wow like they've really thought about a lot of things in this game for some reason this game reminds me of wolfenstein meets uh dishonored because you have those yes like, yes that's a good good point like this the city's like tight quartered corridors buildings you can run through and stuff but then you know you have this army out there which is more like uh well i guess you can say they both kind of have that yeah and uh you're going in and just causing havoc so yeah Yep. That's my feel. So Far Cry 6, it's coming. Got the first gameplay. It'll be out October 7th. So a little <laughs> bit before. Man, again, this this freaking fall is going to be bullshit because we got, this is October. Battlefield 6 is coming out in November. Oh, my god! Somewhere in there, there's going to be a Call of Duty, of course, because that's what they do. There's going to be, uh, uh, what else is coming out? Halo Infinite. Fucking Halo Infinite's coming out this fall. Don't know when that's dropping yet. Uh, Starfield. Oh, well, actually, no, let's, let's say that for in a second here because that's the next part of the story. All right, before we move on, let's talk about this uh, CD launcher they have that plays music as you're like, you shoot CDs at people to kill them. Like, yeah. they have a bunch of crazy little guns here that is more campy but can be a lot of fun. 
I feel and that's like, why it feels like Wolfenstein to me. Because yeah. like Wolfenstein had all these crazy gadgets that were, you know, uh, I guess a product of that time and universe. That I, weren't feel, really I feel like they took a uh, note out of uh, Yakuza's uh, playbook here because in Yakuza, if you're playing the music- musician uh, job role, mm-hmm. you have a special move called album drop where you pull out your latest album release and you sling it at the person and it slices their throat <laughs> and does damage and it's amazing. Or you take out your guitar and go up there and beat them down on the ground with your guitar. Oh, my God. <laughs> and all that stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, there's some really fun stuff there. So I like the I like the fact that they lean into the absurdity. But then the little dog, man, it's so freaking cute. Look at that shit. Like, that dog's going to go into battle with you? That's just crazy. Poor pup. Look at that. It's freaking adorable. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, it's a very interesting-looking game. I'm, I'm excited. Um, uh, Forbidden. I'm actually kind of more excited about I mean, like... I don't know. It's weird. Like, I feel Dying like I'm <laughs> almost more excited about Far Cry 6 in a way than, than, than Horizon. Just because it's more of a shooter and it's got like more humor and stuff twisted in there that I might be more intrigued by it. <clears throat> yeah. Far Cry is going to be a game where there's a story and it can be enticing and, and, and really like involved. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just one of those games you he could have a lot of fun in. Like it doesn't have to be serious, which is nice. Like you, it allows you to kind of pick your tone. It's an Ubisoft game right there. Yeah, and that's all Ubisoft, with the exception of Watchdog, which I was yeah. trying to be fun, but it just got stale. And then Horizon yeah. is like super story driven, character driven. Like you yeah. want to be involved with that game. But so, I'm also excited about this next game. Also got a release date and a gameplay trailer this time around. And this is a game that I almost thought was like disappeared and like wasn't going to yeah, come out. Just disappeared. And they even they even openly came out and said at the beginning of the trailer, it's like, okay, y'all, like, yes, you haven't heard from us in a while. We're sorry, you know, COVID, this, that, whatever. But we're back and we're here to show you some things. And that is Dying Light Two that has a subtitle "Stay Human." And it is coming out December 7th, 2021, which I think is a very good release date because you're going to skip past all the craziness of, you know, fall and give you one last thing before you end the year out with this game. Um, Dying Light 2, they showed off this gameplay trailer and I didn't watch all of it, but Austin, what what were your thoughts on this overall trailer? Other than the fact that this freaking world looks gigantic again. Yeah, that's one of the major things I was like, that's awesome. Like, I, I want a zombie game because we haven't really played a good zombie game in a while. And uh, Days Gone, bro. No, I never played Left, it, actually. L- Last of Us Part 2, bro. Yeah, it's different. Th- this, is, this, is, this is more on the lines of, like, a bruh. Far Cry where you can kind of just Days have gone, bruh. fun. <laughs> Shut up, Brent. It's free. They give it to you free, like, ten times. Yeah. I know, I'm just kidding. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's true. Uh, no, I think I did get it in my library. Anyway, it's just one of those games you kind of have fun. It was a little more serious than a Far Cry game, and there's a lot of, like, challenges and things like that. I know Travis played it for a while and was really into it, and uh, there's something interesting about parkouring and, like, running through uh, a zombie-infested world and punching and killing things. And yeah. There's a story, uh, probably a decent story here. The first one was not that great, but apparently it got better over time because of DLC and they fixed patches and stuff like that. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I think they have a really cool thing here, especially at night where these like super mo- monsters come out and you have to do missions there. And in this new one, they have a thing where in daytime, all the zombies are inside, but at nighttime, all the zombies come out. So you can go in these facilities that have like awesome gear mm. and they're, I guess, more threatening and less zombies in them now, but um, 
don't know. I like how that there's that dichotomy. Like during the day, you want to be outside because it's not light and you can deal with more things. But at night, you want to be inside. Yeah. This is the kind of game that I feel like I would love to watch somebody play, but I don't think I could play it myself because it would freak me out. I'd be like, oh, gosh. Yeah. It's too stress, too stressful, too high right. stress. I mean, they have factions, too, so you can decide which faction you want to join, which ones you want to help, which ones you want to hurt. Sure, that's cool. Yeah, and it's like, you, know, you can choose that side, do what you want. There's different paths you can take, so like you might play the game once in one way, and you want to play it again the other way, see what happens. And There are characters in here, and obviously they got the little raiders and people that you can't side with, so you just kill them and stuff. And I, I think the cool part is that there's, there's just challenges, especially at night, like having to deal with that. And I've seen... I've seen some of the gameplay of people running from the mega super zombies. Yeah. And that's freaky. Oh yeah. So I'm excited, man. It actually looks decent. They put a lot of time and effort into it and it feels like a fallout game to me. The way the story's told. Yeah. It's just zombie apocalypse fallout. (laughs) It's so weird that like, I mean, this are, we just talked about three big, huge, massive games that are open world, easily going to be at least 40 50 hours long i mean we're talking 150 to 200 hours worth of gameplay from these three games alone that could all potentially come out this year we don't know about horizon yet but in the event that it does come out this year like we are screwed uh, we're beyond screwed man like it's coming out october as well this is december december 7th yeah okay so october is uh is far cry no date on horizon yet and this is december 7th but like I said earlier, like I'm glad that this is December 7th because this is after everything else has come out. Yeah. So it's going to be the last game you probably play. This is a great Christmas game. I mean, what's better <laughs> to spend your Christmas time with your family than to play yeah. a game where you beat up on zombies That's and right. almost die? So, yeah. Good stuff. Lots of shit coming our way. Um, but it's about to get even crazier, everybody, because Microsoft has officially announced this has been rumored for a little while. But Microsoft has officially announced the first ever Xbox and Bethesda game showcase on June 13th, starting at 12 p.m. Central Time. So on June 13th at 12 p.m., we will be getting Microsoft's and Bethesda's game showcase. It's crazy. So no more like separate showcase of any kind. They own them now. So it's like, hell yeah, come check us out. It's going to be five hours long. Technically, it's going to be an Xbox event. But the fact that the goal here, what I'm forecasting here is that the basis behind this is that, you know, they're always about an Xbox, like play it on Game Pass, play it on Xbox and PC, play it on this. This is going to feature all Bethesda games that will be only available through Xbox. And the biggest rumor is that Starfield... Actually, no, it's not a rumor anymore. It's been a report. It's reported that Starfield is now exclusively for Xbox and PC. So we were talking about Microsoft needs some in, in IPs. Yep. Well, they got one. They do And now. it's a big one. But what I'm nervous about <laughs> is like there's so much... This is, this is what I'm concerned about. There is so much hype about Starfield incredible amounts of hype like i this week i was people were on the podcast that people were talking about all this stuff with xbox and bethesda and like oh man like starfield's gonna be like the the blowout they're gonna have starfield and halo infinite this year probably blah 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 and i'm like yeah but like we're so hyped about starfield we don't even know what it is we've never seen a fucking thing about this game and the last game bethesda brought out was fallout 76 Saw how that did yeah i mean now it's better but like still it's well, like they had to fix it and take time away yeah. from starfield 
So it's like I'm I'm curious to know like they haven't had a great track record at Bethesda Game Studios as of late. So I don't know if this will really like we don't know what to expect yet. So I'm surprised there's so much like I feel like people are overhyping themselves. Yeah, I have no to run into the problem of Biomutant. Yeah. I have no hype for this game right now. Honestly, I don't care about this game right now. Oh, I care about this game. I, I am hyped about this I game. Know. Just because I do want it to be a Mass Effect 2.0. But Mass Effect meets Fallout or whatever. No, I just want it to be like just Mass Effect by Bethesda. Yeah. And then it'll be great and amazing. But I don't know because like it might not do that. Like I, I envision like we're going to see talking heads and people communicating about things and you're going to be up in space and you're going to go to like different planets and things like that. But Or it could be stuck. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with this because... Like Fallout and No Man's Sky, Elder Scrolls, yeah, right. <laughs> Fallout and Elder Scrolls are always in one location, right? One big giant ass location. Yeah, you just, they just keep expanding on that world, just kind of round it out because you haven't, you only heard of certain places and been to a few. So I wonder so, if Starfield is gonna be like. I mean, you can't in Starfield, a game called Starfield, be isolated to one location. Like you have to have the opportunity to go to different areas because you're in Starfield. Like there's mm-hmm. Starfield. Like that's a field of things, not just one thing. Like where are you so, gonna take me, Bethesda? It's gonna be like Fallout in space, but also No Man's Sky, where there's a story with a few planets, and you go to those planets and you complete the story, but then you can go to these other planets. So the outer world that have nothing there. Oh, I'm not done yet. <laughs> and you can create bases and mine stuff, and then you can just ha- make your own little world on some of these planets, and that's the rest of the game. So it's Spore. No, what? <laughs> That's gonna be what Spore wanted to be. Is that what Spore wanted to be? Yeah. No. You start from a little little amoeba and you grow into well, space and then you I take over all of space. Well no, you don't take over, it's just you can go to a planet and then just have your little colony there. That's just your colony. Yeah. That's then up in space. You got yeah. all the colonies and stuff. You start small and you grow up big and then so, you got you meet all the people, space frank civilization, and that'll be great. It's like Fallout. Because Fallout had the whole base building thing, so they're probably going to have base building in this. No game. Man's Sky has base building. I know that, that's what I was saying. A little No Man's Sky too. Yeah, but there's like this Fortnite has base building. You're going to have the Skyrim story, which can be beaten in like five hours, and then you have the other stuff to do nothing and just go out into the star field and create stuff. Do you think it's going to be online, like open world online, open space online? Where you like uh, see people running around building bases? I don't want it to be. And they shoot, like they can like take over your base. After Fallout, so basically 70, it's no. like Rust. It'd be kind of like Rust. After Fallout seventy six, I don't want it to be. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, like, because with Fallout, I wanted it to be multiplayer hey, because I wanted to be able to play Fallout with my friends. I hate Fallout by myself. I think it's a fucking piece of shit. I hate it. <laughs> oh I hate it. You gotta get aggressive there about that game. I Calm hate down. it. It's terrible. But no, I'm sorry. Apologize, everybody. Sorry, yeah. I got a little heated there for a little minute because I don't like Fallout, but it's fine. I also don't like Elder Scrolls, but it's fine. But, but you already love Starfield, and you don't even know what it is yet. Space, man. That's all I need. Just put me up in space. That's Look, they're going to take what they've already created and just build upon that and make it in space. I need to go back like, to what, Outer Worlds. What, what, what's something new? Like, they're going to have base building. I know that. They're going to have a story of some kind. I know that. Well, yeah. How big is all this going to be? I don't know that. <laughs> but, I mean, what what's something new they can do? Like, I can see them doing... What if it's like, Star Trek? You're like, you're not actually going to planets. You're up in a spaceship the entire time and just traveling through space. 
And then you shoot. <laughs> it's the most boring game of all time. The, the gameplay is you get on your gunner and you shoot at things, or you or command you your people to yeah, shoot command. at things, and yeah. then and then occasionally you'll like set foot on an asteroid, but you don't ever go to planets because all planets are toxic and will kill you. Oh wow, <laughs> that's boring. Yeah. So what do you want to see, Brett? Like what what is your space game that you want to see that you I wanna, think Bethesda would make, given everything you know about what how they make games. Uh, I want it to be, I want it to be set in another universe that's not, or not another galaxy that's not Milky Way. Um, I want there to be, I could see there being a series of planets that have destinations that you go to, um, that are big open world areas, two, three maybe. Um, and then you can travel between those. Well, no, I don't, I don't want any space flight. I don't think space flight is necessarily required. I think being like, I, I could see them having like, like a spaceship world level thing, like up in space somewhere doing that kind of number maybe, but I don't know, man, it's hard. Well, actually, I mean like the way Borderlands did it could be what I kind of foresee, except not as linear, but like in Borderlands, you have like seven or eight planets that you travel to at some point or another in the game. And then your hub is your ship up in the sky and that's a lot like Mass Effect and things like that. So I could see them doing that kind of thing where you have like four or five different planets that you travel to at some point in the game. But rather than them being like you drop into Pandora and you just have this like isolated little region you go to, it's going to be much bigger and expansive. Um, I don't think any of them need to be the size of, uh, you know, the West Virginia and Fallout, you know, 76. But I think if you have like That'd a quarter cool. the size of that on each planet, that could be interesting enough just that there's enough like com- combined you have maybe a little bit bigger than the size of a fallout map from the different places you go to but each one is like not as that large and then really just lean it heavily into like a really engaging story that lets me explore on these planets and get to know different people and races and cultures and things that that provide different insights i don't want any like crafting bullshit like take all that out of there just give me good luck give me a gun give me a story that's engaging it's gonna be starts this in but yeah here right now i don't know i mean yeah it's like i i don't know what i want i just want them to make something that doesn't feel like it's i just want them to tell a really good story that i want to play in that gives me some sense of choice I don't yeah. want any multiplayer. I don't want anybody to drop in and drop. I mean, if there was like a co-op aspect where it's just like one or two other players that are able to co-op, but like when Fallout 76 was announced and they said, hey, you're going to be playing this game, you can play with four players, there's a bunch of other people in there, that was when I immediately was not super excited about it anymore because that took away the aspect of making a story and made it more about how can we keep you in this world longer by like doing stupid grindy shit. Um, yeah. So... Like make it a, make it like Guardians of the Galaxy, where it's like you have four <clears throat> players that are like in a team together, and they're trying to save the world in different areas and travel to these different places, but they all have different and uh, unique abilities and traits and stuff like that. And it can be played by all four of your friends or three of your friends, and you can go out there into the star field and encounter stories and stuff like that, and make it to where we can all experience the story together and not be separated. And yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. It's We're gonna not going to be out. that. But it's, it's not yeah. going to be that. 
We're going to find out, Brett. Uh, so hopefully we get into the announcement here and hopefully we get the, re- the release date this year. Like I'm, I'm, I, I could, I'm envisioning they're going to do a fallout four on this number. They're going to announce it here and they're going to release it this fall. I think it's going to happen. You think so? Yeah. You think they're that far along? I hope so. They had to restart from scratch not too long ago, like in 2019. I don't know. They should be. What else are they? What else are they brought we'll com- out? We'll confirm. They haven't that. done anything else, man. I know. They're They've working on Elder Scrolls around. Seven, Six. Six, Seven, Eight. Yeah, but that's not coming them. out. That's already been confirmed. It's not coming out to like twenty twenty six. I know. I know. Like no shit. Like twenty twenty six. I think is when they're bringing it out. Yeah. Like a long time from. I don't now. even care at that point. But like, fuck. Yeah. Bethesda. Yeah. You'll be too old. You'll be like, I don't play games anymore. <laughs> like I'm done. Uh, all right. Last story we have. Uh, Valve is reportedly working on a portable gaming PC, according to Destructoid.com. They are potentially working on another piece of hardware that could be a Switch-like Steam handheld. A new report from Ars Technica says that Valve has been on working on a portable Switch-like PC that could run on a Steam platform through Linux. Um, earlier this week, Steam's uh, Pavel Dejundik noticed a change in Steam's code pointing towards a device named SteamPal which seemed to relate to another code named Neptune. These came with a string of Neptune optimized games, so their intent was unclear. Um, uh, so they said they can confirm the device's existence and development, as well as a gesture at a recent coincidental statement of a something console related. Valve was still in a position to switch things up. It could get delayed, blah, 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 but basically they're working on a handheld potentially. <clears throat> and what I'm curious about is... This is Alienware's that we covered yes. a year ago. Alienware came, came up with one that Look decent. It yeah. actually looked decent. Yeah, look cool. I I don't know how I feel about this because Valve's uh, pedigree on hardware in the game space is pretty shitty. I mean, they got the Valve Index, which is probably the only one that actually did well. But we had the Valve Steam Link or the Steam Link device that came out that I was like, "This is gonna be awesome," and I never used it. The Valve controller, terrible. You the, basically uh, bought all their stuff. The Steam Box, yeah. The Steam Box came out. That was attempting to be like computer mini PC. Yeah. That wasn't very good. Like Big Picture Mode was good. Okay, but I never really used that a whole lot. <clears throat> so it's just like, yeah. I mean, now that we have cross-platform, like the idea of having my PC stuff on my TV is not as important. Yeah. And I just don't... I don't know if... I mean, I would love to see a really good portable gaming PC that has my Steam library like on a handheld. I would love to see that, but I don't know if valve will be able to deliver on it but if they do hell yeah that's awesome because it'll have better graphics most likely than the switch and that's what i would like to have so okay so look, here's alienware's concept ufo switch light portable gaming pc yeah which i'm going to find better pictures of Sorry, y'all, you can't see it. I know. Just uh, search this and you'll see it. Search we, Alienware, search this. Yeah, you can't see that. Alienware either. Concept UFO. You'll there we find go. It. I mean, the, the, the controllers or the sides, which is like a switch, are removable just like the switch. And they do this. Apparently, it's decent. It's fairly large, actually. Um, would you buy something like this? No, I'm just going to buy the Switch Pro. Yeah, but you can play your Steam games on this. Like, you don't need... I mean, the Switch Pro only plays Nintendo games. Well, if it runs Steam, yeah. But this looks like they're this is a portable own PC. UI. Well, it's, it has a PC on it. You can see at the bottom. Oh, you got that's fair. Your little, yeah, you got, I don't like that. Stuff. I don't like that. I want it to be a UI specific to my device. Okay. I mean, if Steam like brought their big picture mode on there, yeah, I would do that. I'd be down with that. I mean, they have their own UI here, too, but 
I want it to be done right, by like, right, right. I think it'd be okay if Steam built the OS for it. Oh, okay. So they paired up together. And they paired up together potentially, yeah. I think the design for this Alienware gaming PC or portable PC is pretty legit. Um, My big thing is I just the thumbsticks. The thumbsticks on the Switch I don't like. And this has the same thumbsticks yeah. situation where they're just but too small. And I don't know, man. This is bigger than you think. Look how big this is. It's pretty small. I don't know, man. I think you're crazy. I am. I'm excited for the uh, Switch Pro because I heard that they're going to have a Microsoft Surface style kickstand for it instead of the little freaking tab on the side. So it's going to like be like a full width of the device pop out, which I'm very hyped on. And OLED screen and high resolution graphics. Look how big this Alienware UFO is. Pretty small. Yeah. I mean, look at that guy's finger. Yeah, it's pretty tiny. I don't know, man. It's pretty big. I'm Actually, sure it is. I'm Actually, sure it's it a little bigger hefty than I too. thought. Yeah, but see, look, I, I think that's too big. It is a little too big, if you ask me. I mean, it's nice that the screen is big. Yeah. How heavy is it? How, what can it play? What are the graphics like? Um, there's a lot of questions here, and obviously, it's just a concept. Yeah. I don't know what's coming out. Would you want something like this from Steam? No. Okay. What if it looked really cool? Well, I mean, I, I want, I want Valve to do it, yes, but I don't okay. want that. I want, I want to. I, I mean, this is basically like a, a bigger copy of the Switch Pro. I want them to like take what the Pro did and like find ways to redesign it. Like this is too similar to what the Switch Pro was. It's not even sixteen by nine screen. Yeah, I don't think we need the detachable controllers. I, right. I like that concept with Nintendo, but I think in most cases, I don't think we need the detachable controllers. Well, I think I just need it. to be able to Bluetooth stuff. Well, you, you can, can still dock, dock it. it. Yeah, you can dock this too, but you'd want you need that. We're gonna, you can't play it docked. Yeah, you could. I mean, you, if you had a HDMI cable, yeah, that stretched from the couch, if you that's where you're gonna play to the TV, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, the docked mode for a Switch, obviously, it's over by the TV, and you're going away from the Switch console. Yes. So you need the attachable controllers in order to play it, unless you have or you know wireless controller. Well, yeah, I just use my pro controller when I'm docked. Right, but I'm talking about something like this. Like, assuming that, are we going to get a pro controller for Valve? Well, this would need to be just. I mean, PlayStation has support for PS, PlayStation, and Xbox controllers with Bluetooth already built into the the platform. So that's what I would use. Is just use oh, my existing okay. controllers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. got you. So I'm, I'd much rather use my Xbox controller anyway. For than you, I would. that makes sense. But for other people, they might not have an extra controller lying around. Well, then they would just have to buy one. I mean, that's just, I mean, I feel like if you have a PC system, like you're going to have an Xbox controller. But you want it all in one. You don't want to take like this Alienware UFO with you and then an extra controller to play docked mode. It just makes sense to actually have the controllers attached. Assuming they are decent controllers that actually function very well, like Switch controllers, which is, I guess, debatable. But do you use your Switch controllers detached when you're playing docked mode? I will, yeah. You don't have a pro controller you use instead? I do. I do. Yeah. Sometimes it's not charged. Well, usually I don't play it even docked anymore. So Yeah, yeah. So that's I, my thing. It's like I don't know if I would I mean, if I'm sitting there playing docked, I'm gonna be having a real controller. Right. Like I've tried using the 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 pro controller or the 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 side controllers. It's just awkward and it feels weird. Well, you don't have the thing I have. I have the game life. Yeah, but see extenders. that's another piece of hardware you gotta bring and buy. Yeah. Like, it was only like twenty bucks. I know, but it's another piece of hardware. That's what I'm saying. It's like you want it, you were talking about okay. having it out of the box. It's and you had to buy bucks another piece of hardware, 
or you go buy like a $60 controller. But it's something you got to bring though is what I'm saying. You were saying you didn't want to bring an extra peripheral, but you're still having to bring an extra peripheral either way. So I might as well just buy a controller yeah, that way. Mine actually has a case that fits into and I can carry it. And it's not like an extra bulky thing. Because if I have to be, bring a controller and a switch in the case, mine actually just comes in a case all on its own and I just bring that. It's just one entity. Yes, it has a peripheral on it, but it's easy to bring it. No, uh, then I have to find a place to put my case and my controller. And usually the controller is probably just going to be flying around in the backpack or whatever. Well, I have a case that supports my controller <laughs> and my, con- my, my whole, all my stuff. Like I can put a controller in there. I can put my dock in there. Yeah. And I can put my switch in there. So like it, it's an all in one case that holds everything. You're talking about the big one? Yeah. My big box. Yeah. 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 So mine's slimmer than that. Yeah. It, it is beefier than just taking a switch in a case, but right. it gets job done in my my yeah. opinion. I don't know. I think it's I think it's dependent on what everybody wants. But like yeah, I yeah. I I don't think that these I mean it's having those detachable I think is great and it's nice on occasion when I'm traveling and stuff like that. But when I'm like going somewhere, I'm not gonna like if I'm traveling, I'm not really gonna be ever docking my TV. I'm not gonna take the time to set it up and dock it in a hotel room. Right. I'd rather just sit there with my yeah, controller in my hand I agree. I agree. and play it that way. So there's no reason for me to take an extra controller peripheral anywhere else. So when I'm playing docked, I'll be at home with my controller. So having a controller plus a handheld that's already attached would be fine. Except for if it's a Nintendo that has the detachable controllers for the lighter games like that, it makes sense. But if I'm doing like a hardcore gaming platform, I I mean, I'm I'm at the point now where I could care less about the detachable controllers. It's a cool gimmick, but it's at the end of the day, it's largely a gimmick. And I surprisingly disagree with you. Okay, <laughs> I feel like a functionality. Like yeah. you just have it to have it. It's great. Yeah, but how often do you use it? When uh, otherwise, I, except for when you have friends over to play Mario Party, right? Uh, are you going to bring them over to play? I used it a lot. I wasn't even going to get a pro controller. Yeah. Obviously, I got the Triggers, and I was like, okay, this is this feels a lot better, and it seems yeah. like there is a minor thing of lag that the that the controllers for the Switch have outside of the actual. Yeah pro controller so i was like i want that and it feels nice in my hand and yeah i've come to enjoy the better things in life and i got it for that reason and i do use it but sometimes it's not charged i'll just pull out the freaking uh joy cons and go to town with it like i there's i have no problem playing with it so you say you have like a like an adapter that holds your joy cons that's just like wider than the one that came with in the box is that what you got bought uh well it's uh it's it's all it's um so it holds the whole switch but and I know, but when you're extend. when you're docked, Same. what do you what do you when it's docked? Oh, oh, though, what I are you take doing? So I'm talking about when we're docked. What what oh, is okay. your what do you, what are you using when you're docked? Because like that's that's the thing that I'm trying to figure out. It's like when I'm docked, like I'm not using my Joy Cons because there's no reason to use the Joy Cons because the Switch Pro controller is better. Right. So what are you using when you're docked? You're assuming well, assuming that every well, I don't know what the amount of people would have it. I'll use a Pro controller if it's charged. Yeah. But I don't use my Switch enough, so sometimes it's not charged at all. So I'll just take the Joy-Cons out and play with those. Okay. So yeah. I would say half the time, that's what happens. I have yeah. to use the Joy-Cons. I have no problem with it. Yeah. And I, I, I've i always liked them since the beginning. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I like them too. I just feel like they're long play time. It 
my I get cramped up on the yeah, my yeah, hands and true. stuff like that. It'll, it'll cramp. So that's why I'm like rather use a Switch Pro. And then when I'm playing undocked, like I'm fine with like the way that the controller feels, the Switch Pro, like your grip, I've used your grip before, but I I'm fine with playing Switch Pro, like switch on the regular controllers. Yeah. Like just in the handheld form. Like it, it works fine to me. Um so like there's no there's no in between where I feel like I need an extra peripheral other than I need a Switch Pro when it's docked and I need just the hand just right. the device when it's in my hands. But I don't want a heavier device. Yeah. That's no, that's the biggest thing with like the Alienware one that I'm concerned about. And again, like most of the time the detachable controllers, the only time I use them and take them out of the detachable is because I have my Switch Pro plugged in all the time now to my dock. So when I my dock's plugged in on my TV, my Switch Pro is plugged in the side. So whenever I go up there to play, I just unplug and I start going to town with it. Yeah. Um, so that's that's ready to go and charge and everything like that. And then my extra ones are always charged on the, the dock as well. So I always have charge controllers somewhere. Mm. But like I don't want to use the the pro like the the handheld pieces as much unless we're doing game events which that's great for because like when we're doing those events like having four con- four controllers i can literally just stick in my backpack with those little side things like is, oh, yeah. is awesome yeah I agree. Um, but i don't see it with steam because there's less utility there yeah i think i just think for the most part i just think you want it for those who aren't gonna have that or don't want it and just want it all in one you you have everything I think majority of people just want that. Yeah. And some people just buy, you know, the, the switch light, right. which is just, it is, it's just the whole thing. Like there's no detachable stuff. Mm-hmm. Can you, can you add a Bluetooth to that controller to that? I think you can. I don't know. It would make sense for you to do that, but maybe that's why it's cheaper too. Well, no, that uh, doesn't have Bluetooth. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Nintendo it doesn't have Bluetooth. Bluetooth. Yeah. So anyway, there's a lot of things that yeah. they could do. But I mean, I want, I would definitely want a valve one. I mean, if they have detachable controllers on it, that'd be cool. But I do think they need to look at how to redesign them so that they aren't as awkward because the, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's all, it was, it was a brilliant idea that Nintendo had, but it's definitely, it's a hard problem to solve. Like it really is a hard problem to solve with that, those, those things set up that way. Um, and to, to utilize those controllers in so many different ways. Okay. We got to cancel this. We're like an hour on this segment here. Oh, gosh. All right. All right, everybody. Can- thank you for segment. listening. <laughs> it's been awesome for you to listen to our very long news. <laughs> we had five articles. <laughs> Basically talked on like 20 minutes a piece. Um, all right. All, if you aren't subscribed to us yet on YouTube, you check us out at youtube.com slash gamer and subscribe to help us reach our goal of a thousand subscribers. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with our discussion topic submitted from you the audience, listeners. This is going to be a very exciting discussion, so stay tuned, and we will be right back. You're listening to The Inner Gamer. Welcome back, everybody. Each week, we dive into a hot topic about video games, and this week, we're going to be talking about the longevity of game ownership, essentially, here. And this is a... A listener submitted a question, actually, from Michael in Maryland. So, Michael, thank you so much for submitting this question. And I appreciate you having a little bit of back and forth chat with us. It was really cool to have some dialogue between one of our longtime fans and subscribers of the podcast. And as always, if you anybody out there wants to submit a question to have us talk about on the podcast, please email us at hello at innergamer.net and we would be happy to talk about it. So uh, in this email that Michael had sent us, he was talking about how he's been playing video games for a very long time, all the way back to Atari and ColecoVision, um, and just going through the idea of how 
you know, back in the early days of gaming, you have your collection of games from Atari, Collector Di- Edition, Coleco Vision, Nintendo, Genesis, uh, Commodore 64, all these different platforms. And you, you buy these games, you own these games. And as long as you have the hardware, you can play these games whenever you want, right? Um, that's all, all great. Nowadays, we're in a situation where there are so many different options to you can still buy games physical, you can buy games digital, but then you also have these subscription situations. So he was saying, as an example, he has a PS Plus subscription, an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. And if you don't renew anything, what happens to that stuff? It terminates. So Michael, one of your questions was, um, if I don't renew my subscription, do I still have access to those games? And unfortunately, you do not have access to those games anymore. So when you have your subscription active, you can play those games for Xbox and PlayStation. Well, actually, I take that back. PlayStation Plus, you get to download them and add them to your library. But if your Plus subscription is deactivated, you don't have access to the PlayStation Network, which then in turn makes it to where those games that you had added to your library, I don't believe are accessible anymore. I could be wrong on that part of it, but it is a little bit better because in the event that, uh, you know, the, the games are available for a month on play a PS plus for free. And after that they go away, but you can't add them to your library if you don't play them. And then in the future you can still play them as long as the game still exists in the network with game pass. On the other hand, if a game, goes away from Game Pass because one of his examples here was that he was playing Metro Exodus and in the process of playing Metro Exodus, uh, he started playing it for a few hours. A few days later after the gameplay was done, he realized that the game was removed from Xbox Game Pass. Never got a notification, never got an email, none of that stuff. So he couldn't go back and play unless he went and bought it. So there goes that game. So you don't ever own these things. And you know, you're investing this money into this platform um, you have access to these games and it's just like this with like, you know, Netflix and things like that, where we're, we're paying for access now, as opposed to paying f- to own anything. Yeah. And all we're doing is paying to have access to these items, but it is at the discretion of the company that's providing this stuff to be able to say, well, our deal with this company or group individual, whoever it might be expired. So we have to pull that off the network and that's just, kind of inevitably the 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 way it goes is that if you choose not to buy a game you have the option to have the access to it but the sacrifice is you may not get access to these pieces so i'm gonna stop talking for a second and let you jump in and just kind of share your thoughts about this and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast and different bits and pieces here and there but the idea of owning versus renting in this case and having the access like you have a pretty specific philosophy on how you approach this. What, what are your, what are your thoughts so far? Yeah. Um, so for regards to PlayStation, PlayStation proper games, I would rather buy the physical copy. Well, all right, let me go back a little bit. Single player games that I'm going to play and then eventually just put down and or never finish. I'm going to buy them on I'm going to buy the physical copy and then I will sell them back to GameStop to get my money back Yeah, because I've gotten to point in my life. Well, because of this podcast, there's no reason for me to keep any of these games, uh, especially a lot of the games that I might want to keep um, eventually come out, especially PlayStation proper games come out on the PlayStation plus store and they get into the library and I can get them for free. So if I want to play them again, 
I got it. On uh, <clears throat> on the same note, because I know I want to go back and play some of these games eventually, I want to get that still book. So if a PlayStation proper game comes out and they have the still book, I will pay a little extra money to have the still book so I can put it on my collection of PlayStation proper games because I feel like those games hold value for me over time. Unlike other games where I'm just I'm going to play them, they're going to be fun, and then I'm going to get rid of them. And, um, you know, that's just kind of how I go about PlayStation. Uh, PC games, probably going to get most of them on sale um, and or buy ones that I know I'm going to play with my friends more often. Uh, and I feel like the subscription services are more of the ones where I'm going to see some games. I'm going to play them. I'm not going to play a lot of them, but I have access to, uh, you know, majority of them. So if I'm bored one day, I'm like, let me see what's going on. Like I found Falconeer and that was pretty cool. Uh, never would have bought that probably outside of having this. And then, yeah, you can get some of those really cool triple a titles on these subscription services that maybe you don't know if you want to buy it or not, but you're able to play it for just 10 bucks a month and be like, Oh, okay, this is cool. Um, and you don't spend a lot of money. Same with Ubisoft. Like there's a Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I paid a, a month subscription, it's fourteen ninety nine for their pass, and I got to play Assassin's Creed Valhalla for that month. And um, actually, I played two months. But yeah, it was a fraction of the cost for that game that I know I'm not going to go back and play ever again. So for me, it makes sense to buy the subscription, play that game for a month, two months, and I've saved money instead of buying it outright for 60 bucks. Yeah. Does that kind of answer your yeah. question? Okay. I think so. Yeah. And that was with PlayStation, right? That was with Ubisoft. That was with Ubisoft. Okay. My yeah, Ubisoft yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. EA has the same thing. I can, I did that too for a game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, if you, there are ways to save money these days that you couldn't do that before. Mm-hmm. And it, for me, if I know there's a game that I'm going to go back and play, like I'm going to buy it physical most likely and, or, or buy it on, uh, you know, the PC. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of it comes down. I mean, it's really challenging now because we're at the point where we have there's so much choice available to us about yeah. how we how we purchase, acquire, and play games. Has there's so many different options out there? Because like I was looking for example, PSN Plus. You pay that for sixty. You pay sixty dollars for a year subscription. That's five bucks a month. For me, I think that's an incredible deal, regardless of anything else that you do. The value in paying five dollars a month to get at the very, I mean, honestly, I mean, you get two games a month at least every single month with PS Plus. That's 24 games a year at least. If you get two games out of that that are really, really good, that's 30 bucks a game. If you get three games out of that or four games out of that, that drops down to $15 a game. If six of those are good, and that's still, you're getting 24. So if six of them are good, that's like 25% of the games you got. I mean, you're paying under $10 per game ultimately. Yeah. Plus, you get access. I mean, you have to have PS Plus to play online or P- the PS subscription to play online anyway. So yeah. if you're doing that, like you have to have that component to it. Right. I mean, I think that's a really, that's just like for me a no-brainer of like you need, if you have a PlayStation, you have to have that. And the value is there to have that platform. Xbox is a little bit more of a gray area because with PlayStation Network, you can add those to your library and have that subscription live forever and always play those games no matter what happens. If PlayStation PlayStation can't say, we're going to pull this unless they pull the entire PlayStation 
store, which, you know, after the recent backlash with PlayStation 3, they reverted on. And it sounds like they're probably going to figure out a system to make sure that they keep these stores active forever because people have those libraries that they built up. Right. They don't want to lose those games or the access. And you may not ever go back and play those, but just being able to have the ability to do that is pretty valuable. Xbox, on the other hand, like, again, it's access you're paying for and they have deals that they gave to these people that they paid money for and they're for a longer period of time, but eventually those things can go away and will be gone forever. And you don't ever, when you add them to your library, when they're pulled from the store, you don't get to keep them like you do at PlayStation Network. They go away. So kaput, done, gone. And it's great because there's a huge, huge library of stuff in Xbox Game Pass. So it's like, I feel like the value there of Game Pass is that if you're okay with having more quantity of games, but not being able to potentially having the, the Nate the, the negative side of it of they could eventually go away at any point in time. Like really when they come out, I feel like it's more required to pay attention to when these things come out and play them when they arrive so that you can get them before they get removed or pulled off this, this, the system again. Right. Um, it's a gamble. Yeah, it's a little bit of a gamble, but I mean, there's there's definitely value there if right. you're willing if you want to play a lot of games, paying you know ten dollars a month or fifteen dollars a month for Game Pass Ultimate is like really worth it because you're right. also getting free games with that, which don't have to be part of the Game Pass subscription. Those are just part of like yeah. the Xbox Live for Gold or whatever. And I think there's some value there in being able to retain those games. Um, well, the good thing is like some of these games might leave, but they also might come back. Right. And, um, and if what you played was good enough, I mean, yeah, you might consider buying it. Eventually it'll be on sale somewhere. Every, every online store has a sale at some point. Um, and yeah, I guess it does become a waiting game and it is frustrating if you're playing a game and then now it's just gone. Yeah. And, uh, I hate how Xbox does that and it just removes it, the game, the full game from your your files is just like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do this. Well, you, you know, just lock it, you know, there's also another, th- another thing to like, I mean, one of the other things that, that Michael mentioned here was, uh, the online only access, like where, you know, God forbid steam decides to one day go up and kaput and they disappear. Yeah. I have well over 300 titles in that platform. If that platform disappears. I don't own those games anymore. They, they, I own yeah. them because that platform exists. Right. And in most cases, it's fine because, you know, you hope that doesn't ever go away. And I don't go back to my old games that often to go back and play them. Um, Once I play through a game and I beat it, like the chances of me going back and replaying it are pretty slim. Yeah. Um, Because, again, there's just so many games coming out. I don't have time. And I think at that point, it comes down to what kind of gamer are you? And, you know, if you're more like us where we play through a lot of different games, the fact that a game that came out two years ago is no longer accessible to us isn't a big deal because we probably played it as much as we wanted to. Or if we didn't, we can go out and buy it probably at a cheaper price on some platform, play it for a little bit, be done with it and then probably not return to it again. Right. Right. Um, but not everybody's like that. Like some people will want to go back and play an older game just because, you know, nostalgia purposes, you know, and having that ability, you know, there's a perk there, but I feel like it's, again, as a casual gamer, there's so many games that are coming out that it's, it's so easy to just 
in six months, there's going to be another game out there for you to play that's really going to sink your time in, and you're going to forget about some of those other games that came out two or three years ago. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, uh, with the exception of games, like long-running games like The Division and things that expect you to stay in it longer and just keep running through it, yeah. those games may be worth you just buy it outright, and then you yeah. own it, you know what Especially I mean? Especially if you're a one-game gamer. Yeah. You're going to play something for half the year and not going to play anything else. Like, yeah, maybe you just want to spend the 60 bucks. I mean, the time invested in some of those games pay f- pays for itself in the end. Yeah. For us, it doesn't. It just doesn't make sense for us to buy every $60 game that comes out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like uh, like Michael here mentioned, because I, I did ask him the question, I was like, like, how do you play games? Like, do you play them to finish? Or do you like jump around in different games? Like, what is your kind of play style? And he, he mentioned that he's a completionist. So he plays everything to the point he gets all the trophies and achievements, um, but also doesn't go back to the older games just like we don't. You know, it doesn't go back to like his older systems and stuff like that unless there's like friends around they just want to go through and play stuff. So there's that, that, that off chance moment where you might want to go back and be like, I want to pull out Mario Kart 64, you know, which is a cool perk to have of just like, I own Mario Kart 64. I have a Mario Kart system or a 64 system. Let's jump in and play that. But, um, with games that nowadays, like if you get a game and you're a completionist with that game, like I'd say, especially if it's a longer game, I'd say just, just buy the game. Cause chances are you're going to be spending, assuming you're willing to sit down and spend the time on that game and not get bored of it and not want to jump around in different things. Cause there are, I mean, I have that problem where I'll play through a game and be like, okay, I'm kind of getting bored. I'm yeah. going to move to something else yeah. and then I'll come back to this later. And then you don't. <laughs> But Laura, yeah, I usually don't. I'm getting better at it now because, like, okay, I did that good. with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and I took a break to go play something else that was wasn't as crazy for a period of time. What, what, what were we playing? Borderlands. I went back and played some Borderlands for a little bit. Just take a break from uh, uh, playing Valhalla, but then I still finished it. You know, eventually. Yeah. I'm getting. I'm trying to get better at finishing games that I did find time investing. Find investing my time into being joy- enjoyable yeah and Valhalla is a good example of like I mean I paid 60 bucks for that game and I put 70 hours into it and that was crazy for me to have put that much time into a game so I, I feel good about that kind of stuff I mean it's like if you see a game that's coming out and if you're going to buy that game though I highly recommend listening to this podcast listening to people review the game before you invest in it because these days right. it's like you're going to be waiting. I mean, you don't want to do what happened by a mutant, which fortunately you were able to secure that, but it's yeah, like, yeah, I got my money back. Imagine price. if you couldn't have got the $60 back on that game. You put 34 minutes, 36 minutes into it, probably 40 and minutes you wasted 60 bucks and wasted 60 bucks. It's like, that's, that's a big blow. Or if you have a PlayStation five, 70 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you know, so I mean, that's why we started this podcast and yeah. we've made, we've, we found a way to make it work. Where it's not blowing our budget every month, you know, at least for me, I don't know about you. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, especially if we're trying to keep up with all the latest, greatest games. I mean, you could easily spend way more money than you need to. Yeah. So, and then, I mean, that's where the, ga- the Game Pass has come in handy. Yeah. You pay 10 bucks for, play- for Xbox and you can play some current gen games. You can play some, you know, older games and you, you kind of get your fill of, everything you know and then if you bought multiple subscriptions because you have a bunch here i mean the amount like uh if you bought the ubisoft which is 15 dollars a month and you got the xbox game pass well, that's 25 bucks a month yeah and if you at least play you're gonna at least get one current game that's coming out i feel like or if you get even ea too like 
I feel like you can get a decent amount of game time with current new releasing games that it might be worth it going that route. Especially if it's their proper game, it's going to be in their library forever. Yeah, yeah. That type of thing. You can save some money. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially I've heard a lot of people talking about the uh, how uh, using the analogy that um, Xbox keeps loading up their gun and we're just waiting for them to shoot it. <laughs> like with the idea that they keep like doing all these different things and they, you, you know, the moment's coming of like, they're about to just unleash hell on the universe and they're going to be like the top dog and stuff like that. Cause they've been buying all these studios. They got all these acquisitions. They built this foundation of game pass and all this stuff. Like where is it? <laughs> eventually something's about to <clears throat> pop and they're going to like, be like, we're they're going to blow our minds. You'd think, um, they've done a and, good job at this point. Yeah. And yeah. with game pass, I think it's one of those deals where, I mean, I think it's, I mean, you know, looking at this price point here of like, you know, between PS Plus, Xbox Game Pass, EA Access, which I mean, I personally think EA Play Pro is a better option. It's more expensive, but I think it's, it's better because you get the maximum edition of every game that comes out. Um, That's really nice. It's a great perk because you don't have to pay all the extra money for all that stuff. With those three things at 170 bucks a year, roughly for those things, or maybe 200, 220 or whatever it might be the alternative option and yes these games at this point you don't fully own but the alternative option is to buy two three four of these games that you play if one of those is bad you've lost some money there because you spent the money on a 60 dollar game that ended up being crap yeah, you're not gonna whereas here it's like time yeah here you could try 10 games and if four of them are really really good like you've got you've saved a lot of money on that stuff on, on these games, which I think is, is yeah. valuable. And just the fact, I mean, you won't be able to go back and play it maybe five years from now because it's not going to be there anymore, but there will also be like 10 new games that have come out since then. Right. That will be there for you waiting to play. Right. Right. So it's just a matter of how long do you want to spend on any one given game? If you want to spend a lot of time, like a year on one game, buy it, you know, go out there and pay 60 bucks for it. Cause yeah. it's, Oh yeah. It's worth it. Finish out, mm-hmm. completion, complete it all, and stuff like that. I think that's I where the, that the benefit comes in. Yeah, like man, I spent so much on Mass Effect, sixty bucks, or Mass Effect Two, well, the whole series. Like I spent so much time in that universe. Yeah, like I got my money's worth, and then some. Like yeah, well over two hundred hours. Maybe yeah. even yeah, but maybe each game. I don't know. I played a lot of those games. Yeah. <laughs> So that sixty bucks, well, it's probably fifty back in the day, actually. Yeah. So, you know, I got my money's worth of that. If that's yeah. something you're gonna do, well, with Game Pass too, it is kind of nice because not only do you get the games um, that you can try and play, and they may get pulled eventually, but you also get discounts on games that are part of the Game Pass store. Yes. That when you do buy them, you do. I mean, you still own them to your Xbox account. So if Xbox decides to shut the store down, then you lose those games. But right, that's kind of a nice feature too because you get to kind of demo the game before you invest into it. And if you do find out you really, really enjoy it, go out there and buy it. Mm -hmm. And then you can keep it in your library for a period of time, but you didn't lose out on the biomutant situation where you bought it and potentially couldn't return it. And then you're like, well shit, like I'm out of luck now. Unless they know man's guide it, which that probably won't happen again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which now is on game pass and I've been playing on game pass. I'm like, this is awesome. Like I, I otherwise would I would not have gone back out and bought game or No Man's Sky on Game Pass or if had it not been on Game Pass but now that's on Game Pass I'm like right. yeah I'll play it Flight Simulator I wouldn't have bought that if it wasn't on Game Pass but I'm playing on Game Pass now so 
I'm digging it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it really comes down to, it's definitely a different era than what it used to be, but I feel like we have every, we have the best of all worlds right now. Cause we are in that transition where Xbox and PlayStation are trying to make that push for digital only. Yeah. Because the PlayStation five discless was a hundred dollars cheaper than the PlayStation five with the disc. Yeah. And, um, I was going to go with discless. I was. I'm so happy I didn't now. Well, I didn't have a choice because my friend who bought it for us. Uh, well, you, well, you did get the discless or you got the disc? I got oh, the, the disc version. That's right. Yeah, Duh, that's the Duh. one that he had got. This, yeah. yeah, it's the one that he got and it's the one I had to get. And I'm so happy I did because it is annoying to change out discs when you just want to play a game really quick. But at the same time, I can return a game and I don't have to worry about that and I can put that towards something else so it works for me. And, um, you know, obviously PC spearheaded the digital craze craze that we're in now. But right now I feel like you, whoever you are, you can be satisfied by how you choose to get your games. Um, but yeah, eventually, I mean, thank God GameStop got all the stocks because they might be, uh, gone right now at this point, but somehow they're alive. Somehow they're kicking. They seem to be thriving somehow continuously even after all that stuff and uh we'll see what 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 happens with that but um yeah it is an interesting time and i don't know how long it's gonna last no i mean it's gonna keep evolving and changing as time goes on for sure i feel like we're definitely going towards a subscription only future where like like the idea of you going to GameStop to buy a game might not be a thing in the next five years like it might go away and it's just like you just got subscriptions everywhere and you just buy into it and Right now it's fine, but I feel like it's going to become more of a problem because like we're seeing this in the the uh, movie industry now, movie and TV industry, where everybody and their dog is getting into subscription services and they want a piece of the pie. They don't want to be giving their money to Netflix, so they're making their own subscription service. Right. So now you're just going to have 10 different subscription services and 10 yeah. different freaking launchers you have to run through, and it's gets to be a pain in the ass a little bit. At least on PlayStation, they make it easy. Yeah, that's true. I got the media remote. It has the buttons oh, at yeah. the bottom, so I can go Netflix, Hulu, or uh, Disney Plus. Yeah. So I just click the button and boop. I just use Apple TV as voice activated. Oh, there you go. I just be like, yo, Whatever. play play this TV show off of Hulu. Yeah, well, mine is so too, I yeah. think, actually. Oh, there you go. There I think the go. media remote has, yeah. has voice activation. You got to press a button for it. I just say, hey, Siri, and it just does <laughs> Whatever. it. Whatever. It's great. It's magical. <laughs> hey, PlayStation. Yeah, I can talk to my HomePod that can talk to my TV, which is really nice. Whatever. Um, last thing I want to mention, though, that okay. the, that uh, Michael also mentioned here is, uh, so kind of wrap up previously what we were saying, I think it's ultimately is going to come down to how you want to play these games. But if you get a game, you pl- I would say have these, these subscription services I think are great at the end of the day because of the fact that you get to play a lot of and try a lot of different things without investing too much into any one game. Mm-hmm. And if you find a game that you really, really like, buy it and play it. And the subscription services, I mean, yeah, you have to pay attention to it, but you could also buy it, pay month to month and then cancel them as you go if you want to. But they end up being cheaper if you buy a yearly subscription. So I just, I go for yearly and then just make sure that I'm being attentive to it and playing it. But I think it just depends on how much you're willing to play. And if usually there's so many games coming out that going back to an older game isn't as big of a concern for us to be like, Oh, I want to play 
I mean, well, there's some games that I do own that I'm like, I have God of War that I bought. So I'm going to go back and play that. If it was on subscription service, I may not do that. But granted, honestly, I would have been able to play it because PlayStation Plus with a PS5 gave it to me for free. So I would be able to play it right now anyway. Yeah. So it's really not that big of a deal. I actually could have saved money had I not bought it when I did and I could have just waited. So that's yeah. another thing. If it's like, this is a game that comes out, you could just wait till it comes out on PS Plus because it eventually probably will. And then you then, can yeah. save some money there too. There you go. But uh, the last thing is like the internet situation, mm. which is a very good point. That's like, true. That if true. you run out of internet, like when we had Snowmageddon <laughs> and so we ran out of power, like the only thing you can play is your you switch. can't play. You <laughs> play your Switch. Yeah. Which is like, or here's our reason. You should buy a Switch. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right, right. Get a Switch and then you have your backup to your backups. And then you're yeah, good there. The internet goes out, you still have to be connected most of the time to play any of these games. And it's just like, well, fuck. You know, yeah. the internet is not going to be there all the time. Well, that's true. Yeah. Because I mean, even if like, yeah, I mean, the, chan- <laughs> the odds of my internet going out, my PC having power is very slim. Like my internet really, I mean, it depends where you live too, but my internet doesn't drop near as much as my power drops and my power doesn't drop that often. But if we have a bad storm, my power is going to go out before my internet goes out. So but then your internet's going to go out because your power. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you screwed. Yeah, so it's all going to go out eventually. Yeah. But that's, that is something that I run into. And um, if I do run out of internet, then I'm just going to switch over to my uh, my Switch and I'll play through that. And then yeah. make sure I have games downloaded to my Switch. If it's charged. Oh, it's oh, always it's charged. Docked. Yeah, it's always it's always docked. See, yeah. I take mine with me to work. Yeah. And sometimes I forget to put it to charge. And I used to, but now I just don't have time. So I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so it's tough. It is a tough situation, but um, hopefully that helps, uh, Michael, with uh, kind of where we're coming from with that. But like, you know, I know we went on a lot of different pathways there with that conversation, but it is definitely something that I mean, it's, it's tricky, but I think at the point in time we are now, I think if you have a PlayStation, like PlayStation plus is a no brainer. Like I feel like you just have to have that cause you get to keep those games as long as PlayStation keeps putting games out and keeps developing hardware, which I don't think that's changing anytime soon. Like you're going to be in good, good position with that. Yeah. Um, I think so. Game pass ultimate, I think is also a great deal. It's a little bit more expensive, but, um, there's a huge library that's coming to that that you can always jump through games and it's just great to like try things out without having to invest a lot of money in a bunch of different variety of stuff. Um, EA is a bit of a tougher kind of sell for me because I still love it because I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable paying for it, but I don't think it's for everybody because you have to like EA games. But for me with the fact that I get battlefield six coming out this year, I got mass effect, yeah. legendary edition, I got knockout city, all that's included in that subscription. So and then I get a battle pass for Apex Legends every every season. So it doesn't cost any extra to buy that stuff. It's just a hundred bucks a year is what I pay for it. So it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, with that, that's not a bad deal. Um, and they're starting to bring stuff that's not EA originals, like a Plague Tale Innocence is on the EA Pass that you can oh, download and play. Cool. So there's stuff that's not even part of the EA library that you can also get. That's cool. Um, so <clears throat> I feel like the Ubisoft's actually pretty good. Like if you I, like Ubisoft see, I, tr- games, I struggle with that one. I, I, I thought it would be good, but it's 15 bucks a month. It's like they so don't have expensive. A well, they do, but I think okay. it's still charged about that. Yeah. Well, for well, okay. It works for me because if I'm going to play Ubisoft game, I'm only going to play it for a month. So well, I save money. Yeah. yeah. I save money month to month with that if I'm going to play Ubisoft game. Yeah. Yeah. If you can, if you can like sit down and like, if you can pay $15 <laughs> for it and like knock that game out in a month, mm-hmm. it's totally worth it. But I think, I think that's where they get us. Yeah. Those games are super long. That's what I'm saying. And if you're yeah. just doing the story, yeah, you could probably knock it out in a month. 
Yeah. But if you're trying to do more than that or you get sidetracked, you're going to have an issue, especially with AC Valhalla. My gosh, that game is long. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I spent I, I spent five months on AC Valhalla, so yeah. five months at fifteen dollars a month would have been a hundred. Oh, well, it would have been no, it would have been like seventy some dollars. Well, I think you get the seventy five. You get the highest edition too. With the, oh, really? I okay. believe so. So I did think about that though. I I literally almost like subscribed to that, but I feel like I feel like that should drop down to ten dollars. If they brought down that down to ten, I would I would be buy right into it. But there's just not enough games coming out right 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 for me to justify well, it now, there well i guess it's just far cry yeah but uh we'll see what happens yeah yeah but it would be good for some of the unlockable stuff like well i mean just the the extra packs and the the highest editions and all that stuff would be kind of beneficial for that but yeah, uh, division i also need to see if it's cross play cross platform with that subscription or not <sighs> i doubt it yeah because if know. that was the case that would be worth it because oh, i mean because yeah. because i'm very much like i i play a a lot of my games it actually might only be on PC right now, if I remember correctly. Because a lot of my PC. Ubisoft games I play on console. Mm-hmm. Like I don't play them on PC, um, just because I I like playing them on a controller and well, you got on the Division on there. Yeah, I do have that, and I did buy that. So yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's another one that's that's interesting. Um, but I think it could be. I mean, if they keep bringing out games this year, I mean, they're they got a lot of stuff coming out that could be worth investing into. But um, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, Michael, thank you for submitting this question. We really appreciate it. Hope that was informative for you and then, um, you know, gave you some insights into, you know, your future investments in, in games and stuff like that. And everybody else is listening. If you ever have a question you want us to talk about on the podcast, please let us know at hello at the net, just like Michael did. And we would be happy to discuss it. And that's going to wrap up our discussion this week. So if you want to contribute, well, as I mentioned, you know, you can email us or you can also join our discord channel. The link is in the show notes. We're going to take a quick break and come back with our video game releases and free games of the month. Again, remember free games. If you subscribe to PlayStation plus or Xbox game pass. So we'll be right back and talk about what those are this month. You're listening to the inner gamer. Looking forward to next week. Let's talk about upcoming video game releases. And it is time to enter into the summer months. We are in June. It is June 1st as you're listening to this podcast. So that means free games, everybody. If you are an Xbox Games with Gold subscriber or you have an Xbox Game Pass subscription, uh, ultimate subscription, you get the following games exclusively to Xbox One, Xbox S, and S. You get the King's Bird. Don't know what that is. Shadows Awakening. Don't know what that is. And then on Xbox 360, compatible with newer consoles, you get Neo Geo Battle Coliseum. And then the one game I actually know what it is, Injustice Gods Among Us. Nice. I still think that Xbox needs to revamp their whole entire games with gold system or just get rid of it. I don't know. I like that it exists, but like none of their games are ever appealing to me. But I love the Game Pass, but I don't like their free games. But there's a twist because PlayStation, of course, always delivers unbelievably well, not as much as time, but actually it is pretty good. Uh, PlayStation 5 exclusive is a game called Operation Tango, which is a new game, I believe. I'm going to pull it up real quick, so I want to make sure you all know what we're talking about. I think it's going to be a really fun game, actually. There's a trailer that came out about it not too long ago. It looks really cool. It is a 
It takes two to save the world in this cooperative spy adventure. Pair up with a friend as agent or hacker with only your voices to connect you and work together to bring a high-tech global menace to its knees. So this is co-op, puzzle-solving, thrilling espionage, high-tech tools, friendly banter, constant communication. One person is a hacker. The other person is the spy that's sneaking around. So you communicate to each other, play cooperatively to... Solve puzzles, break in, do these things. It sounds really cool. And the fact that PlayStation is keeping in line that give you free games that are brand new on PlayStation 5, this is free, and we should totally download and try this, because why not? Operation Tango. That's right, you're telling me about this. And then also they're giving you Star Wars Squadrons. So, you know, we played this and talked about on the podcast not too long ago. We got it through uh, the EA Play, you know, processing through that. But now if you have it on PlayStation, you can get it for freezies and download and play that and check it out. I just, I bought it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Damn, sorry. I haven't bought it because I have an EA Play Pro. I know. And now it just sits there. There you go. (laughs) If you ever want to play it, I'd be down to jump into it again. Yeah, it's fun. I'm done with that game. And then you also get Virtua Fighter 5 Ultimate Showdown, which I'm also going to download because I think that'd be kind of fun to play. So that is your PlayStation Plus games of the month. And then as far as new games coming out next week, we have one game coming out on June 8th. That is Chivalry 2 coming out on all platforms. Chivalry 2 is a multiplayer first-person slasher inspired by epic medieval movie battles. Players are thrust in the action of every iconic moment of the era from dashing, clashing swords to storms of flaming arrows to sprawling castle sieges and more. I think I'm going to get this game. I think you are too. Yeah. I'm going to have to see if the group wants to play it on the discords and play some because they've been playing the Mordhaus, but I think this is the better version of Mordhau. Nice. And I'm interested. So. Very cool. There it is. Awesome. That's going to wrap it up, everybody, for our show this week. If you want to check us out next Tuesday for more from your favorite video game podcast, uh, you should do that. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to join us every single week on our stream at 7 p.m. Central Time. And to that person who sent us a three-star review on Apple Podcasts, give us some feedback. I'd love to hear why you gave us a three-star review. You know what I mean? We did get a new review, Austin, but it was a three-star. I was very sad. It was our first three-star we've ever gotten. Man, so, did it say anything? No, no they didn't leave a review. They just gave us a star rating. So that was a bummer. But anyway, Don't troll fine. us. Don't troll us. Uh, if you want to give us a review, though, and leave a comment, that would be really great because if we aren't doing great and we could do better, we want to know why and how we can do better. So let us know. And if you want to support, oh, sorry, this is your turn. Yeah, <laughs> what the heck, man? If you want to support our show, you can donate on the website over at thundergamer.net. All donations go towards making the podcast, videos, and streams even better. You can also join in on the conversation over on our Discord channel, so check out the show notes for that link. And as always, if you cannot contribute monetarily, please take time to share this episode with a friend, family member, or loved one. The more eyes we get in front of their content, the faster we grow, and it helps more than you know. So thank you for continuing support. I'm Austin Morales. I'm Brayden Oski. And you've been listening to the Intergamer Podcast. Catch you guys next week, podcast. Oh, out!